0: After that happened, when we got mugged, the next day it was like, okay, yesterday I almost died. Oh my god, today I'm alive. What will I do today?
1: All right. Imanis Fondi, aka Dragon Wolf. How the hell are you?
0: I'm really, really good. Thank you for asking. How Um, are you?
1: Oh, thank you. I'm Doing pretty good. I've had a very relaxed day. I've had some time. I mean, I work during the day, but now I'm chilling. How was mm-hmm. your day?
0: It was good. I actually had it was kind of a weird day. Mm-hmm. I um, woke up a lot more tired than I expected to be, mm-hmm. and uh, have I mean thought I had a lot of things to do, mm-hmm. and in a way I did, um, but I just have like been trying to go. And only do things that I just feel like doing.
1: Mm-hmm. Like,
0: like, it's like, okay, I know I have to do this thing, or it would be ideal if I did this thing immediately. Yeah. But I really don't feel like it. Yeah. I'm not in the mood. Yeah. And these are all things that are not like contractually obligated. It's not like, I'm not going to work today, but I, yeah. you know, they're like, come hey, on, where'd you go? Um, this is on like, essentially, because of the nature of my career, I am mm-hmm. like on free time, so to speak, mm-hmm. for the most part. Um, And so just woke up and was like, I don't want to do most of the things yet. And it was this weird gut feeling I had because Mm -hmm. of certain things that are kind of undecided so far with with where I'm going to be the next tomorrow or month or two months. Mm -hmm. And it was just like, okay, if I'm doing this thing, I need to go pack and get this and that and this. If I'm doing that, I need to do this. Mm -hmm. And the thing I want to do would not require me to do anything And I kind of like just was like, actually, that's what I want to do. So I'm just gonna like act as if.
1: What was the thing you wanted to do?
0: What I want to do is go to Austin for this film Mm -hmm. that I'm in the in the works for, or I'm an option for. It's not decided Mm -hmm. yet. Yeah, and I want to go there, Mm -hmm. which would mean I wouldn't be leaving the country tomorrow at 6 a.m. for a different trip. Mm -hmm. Um, And if that's the case, I don't have to pack. Which I have not packed. I was yet. like,
1: "Have you packed yet?"
0: I haven't packed yet, but I—I I mean, it wouldn't take long. Like, it would—it wouldn't be. But it's just more so like the whole idea of packing a bag and then having to unpack it for like yeah. the next moment. I don't know. It's a principle thing. It's like I just don't want to waste any effort on things.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so it was kind of a strange day because I ended up just kind of like moseying around and being like, yeah, I, don't, I just feel like laying in the sun or yeah. <laughs> taking a nap. I took a nap midday. I was like, mm, I would love a nap.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, and then I'm here. I'm excited, I am was excited for this though. Oh, so it was kind of like you. a relaxed day knowing like, oh, later on.
1: Do you, do you think when you get home, you'll, you're going to be stressed about packing or no? Are, like, are you generally no. pretty relaxed? Well, that's
0: or? the thing, right? Is I think if I were to have been doing it all day mm-hmm. and doing these things that I felt like I needed to do, it would have stressed me out. And so instead of like doing it and stressing, like, am I doing this for no reason? Blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. I was like, I'll let the cards fall as they will.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I was supposed to possibly get an answer about my status t- tonight. Yeah. Um, and so I was just like, well, I won't even stress about it. Oh, oh I went and had lunch at a new place because I was like, I really want to go to this nice place. Yeah. And like, went and had lunch. How was it? It was so good. Mm-hmm. And it was a cool thing where it was like three very tall buildings mm-hmm. in a triangle. And the sun was in a certain spot, so the sun was reflecting off all three buildings, mm. so no matter where you walked, you had three shadows, mm-hmm. which i I love that stuff Like yeah. I love to, to, to examine lighting and shadows and stuff like that, mm-hmm. feel heat from different parts of the, the light. Mm-hmm. It was cool. It was like a very pleasant uh, midday meal. I mm-hmm. had a like a micro dosed uh, shroom capsule
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, tiny dose where you don't even notice you're on it.
1: yeah, I was like i, I don't think i've ever talk to somebody who has actually done it just like people who want mm-hmm. to but what's that like
0: just Oh like, oh my god yeah, shrooms yeah. are incredible yeah. and they're also going to it's this has been often spoken of but it's going to mm-hmm. be the next like marijuana like there was like a wave of marijuana becoming legalized mm-hmm. and then commercialized mm-hmm. and now it's just i mean it's so widespread Yeah uh, and that's going to happen with shrooms
1: Oh um, I didn't know that And
0: if yeah. If the government interferes with that, it would be a little sketchy. Just because shrooms have been now scientifically tested and, and have shown results of helping with PTSD, depression, anxiety, mm-hmm. like um a lot of mental health issues. And they helped me. They helped me out of a massive hole. And also how, how do they
1: do that? What what was that? It was that? a
0: combination. I mean I had um, the end of 2019 started therapy, mm-hmm. and was like realizing a lot of the unconscious stuff, like Yun Zeming were talking about, all the unconscious mm-hmm. thoughts that were from your formative childhood years mm, yeah. that dictate your your reactions to life. Mm-hmm. If you're not conscious or aware, and I would always consider myself pretty aware
2: mm-hmm. in general.
0: Um, but you know, emotional stuff, emotional trauma, you don't always know about. That's yeah. the point of it being. You know, like repressed, subconscious. very yeah, subconscious yeah. so you don't know. <laughs> yeah. And it, and it was at a point where it was like very powerfully dictating my life. Uh-huh. Therapy helped a bunch. Mm-hmm. And then therapy opened this door of like, oh my goodness, there are a lot of like really deep childhood things I need to go look back on and, fit, and heal and, and, and kind of realign or rewire. Mm-hmm. And then uh, it was after like six months of that, I, I, I was offered to do shrooms for the first time and, and in a chocolate form. Mm -hmm. Very casual. We were going to go to a bar, Mm -hmm. a really close friend of mine who I trust dearly. Mm -hmm. goes, oh, have you never done it? Like, here's half a chocolate. You'll barely feel it. Mm -hmm. We go out to the bungalow, Santa Monica. And I'm, like, pretty social normally, but I also had, at that time, more social anxiety than I do now Mm -hmm. because I was always, like, I always felt strange in bars. Like, I, I don't know. Why? I mean, I grew up. I grew up. And was like, I guess it has to do with like the mating game and courtship. Like I grew up smaller than everyone because I skipped a grade, Mm
2: -hmm. and I was a late bloomer, Mm
0: -hmm. and so I wasn't athletic. I wasn't like the jock. I wasn't like the cool guy or the uh, you know the stud or whatever. Like that wasn't my role Mm -hmm. in life growing up. And so then, when it came to like any idea of like, let's go out to a bar and see if we can meet cool people or meet some women, Mm -hmm. right? Two guys, that's kind of what they decide to do. Mm -hmm. I always felt weird. I was like, ah, like I felt, you know, no confidence in that. I was like, that's not going to like, It's gonna be a lame time. Like I'm not gonna enjoy myself. Very
1: primal level. You were still in that mindset. Absolutely. Like I'm I'm the weak kid. Mm -hmm. Like nobody's Mm -hmm. gonna pay attention to that. Yeah, nobody wants
0: to, you know. And Uh it's strange because I only felt that when I would get into a bar.
1: Why do you think it was only in those situations? Just because it's like kind of hyper sexualized environment. Like
0: I think it's because it's a hyper primal environment. So Mm -hmm. in a bar, Mm -hmm. you can't really hear. Yeah. So if you are, if you have the gift of gab and you're naturally charming with wit or intellect or whatever, which yeah. I was like for a long time, prided myself on, like, hey, I'm funny at least, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm smart and yeah. I love conversating. Um, but at a bar, that's not the case.
1: Yeah, you can't hear. So anything. that goes it's away. Of, what?
0: What? what did you yeah. Say? <laughs> so then it all becomes gestures and body language. Uh huh. Um, and the gestures and body language in a bar. Are kind of like the male, female, um, or just suitor dynamics of courtship that I never was experiencing. Like all my friends would tell me about, like, yeah, she, like, you know, when a girl does this, she's flirting and this. And, that. and I was like, mm-hmm. oh man, girls don't, you know, growing up, girls don't flirt with me. So I didn't always get those signs or mm-hmm. couldn't know how to react or be. And um, also in a bar, like I used to feel very small. Like I used to be like, oh gosh, I'm so short. And I'm not that short. Like I'm Mm 5'11, which is like, I'm happy with my height now, right? Mm -hmm. I'm like, 5'11? That's pretty damn good. It's a really great, like, um, very adaptable size. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And, but for a long time, I used to like go into a bar and feel like, ah, well, I'm not the tall, big, handsome man. You know, like, Mm -hmm. uh, I, I felt like a kid in a bar. For a long time. yeah. Anyway, so I go to this bar and he gives me this shroom chocolate Mm -hmm. and all those thoughts that I was just talking about, this childhood stuff, that's all like really representations of the ego, right? That's like your ego builds up a defense to protect you from harm. It's your invisible armor, right? Like Iron Man has those nanobots that show up. Mm -hmm. That's your ego. And... Your ego builds up over time because if you do something and something goes wrong when you do it, your ego reminds you, you can't do that because it'll hurt you. And so my ego built up this thing of like, if I wanted to go talk to a pretty girl, they would turn me down. So my ego was like, yeah, just don't even bother talking to the pretty girl. Mm-hmm. It was like to protect me from the harm of rejection or whatever that may be from my childhood, right? Mm-hmm. Shrooms. And the psychedelic drugs in general, one of the notable things that happens is it's a it's a dissolving of the ego, so I'm at this bar somewhere I normally feel socially anxious with someone who's very like fluent in bars. He used to run like the hospitality of like multiple bars and so like he's even seen the back end and it's like all very casual for him
2: mm-hmm.
0: and it's all very like intense for me mm-hmm. um, and yeah, I literally was floating around that bar like a butterfly. I was like free as a bird, you know. Mm-hmm. Didn't know I didn't even realize I was talking to so many people, just like like you know, talking to and flirting with women that I would have never thought I would talk to or flirt, you know, have the courage to speak to, which mm-hmm. is. Um, and my friend like uh, had two friends come in and pulled me aside and was like, let's go. Like my two friends are coming. My well, I was like, oh, like I think I'm gonna go. And he goes. He was like, No, I'm not really like feeling the vibe with these girls. I was like, they're awesome. And he mm-hmm. goes, They are pretty cool, but I think you're also like, you're on shrooms. So you're in a really great mood. Mm-hmm. And that's how I remembered I was on shrooms and was like, oh my God. Wow, I have felt amazing the last two hours, mm-hmm. right? Like this is this is like a better version of being high on weed in some senses. Um and then it just kind of developed from there. Uh I met up with him once a week, him and his roommates, and we all like slowly but Surely, kind of increased the dosage of shrooms. We did
2: mm-hmm.
0: by the last time I did it. I did it alone at home. I did a very large dose, and that's actually where Dragon Wolf came from. Literally, really? I was by yeah, I was by myself on an intense psychedelic trip.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It was awesome. I mean, you you it's the best way I can put it. It's an analogy I came up with, and and a few of my friends that are all like, we needed this is the analogy for shrooms
2: mm-hmm.
0: is. Your unconscious and your subconscious mind is a dark room, okay? Okay. The conscious mind is you stepping and fumbling around that dark room, trying Mm -hmm. to reorganize that which you can't even see, Mm -hmm. right? Because you don't know it's there. So you're just reaching out in the dark and and reorganizing the inside of your mind, Mm -hmm. your consciousness. And when you take shrooms, or some other psychedelics as well, I don't have tons of experience with other ones, but Mm -hmm. shrooms in particular, I have a lot. You take it. And it's like for just a brief second, someone turns on a light bulb inside your mind. And you see everything just for two seconds. One, two, boom, the lights go off. But for the first time ever, you saw inside your mind. And just like if you were to close your eyes right now, you could see me in front of you. You could know, okay, the table was right here. The cup was about this far. Mm-hmm. You could kind of remember, based on the visual stimuli, where you are in the room, what it looks like, what what's around. So now, after that first trip, you get a little bit, you're like, oh, I kind of saw some stuff. Oh, that's where that one thing was that I've been looking for. Or, oh, I really need to take care of that. I never, needed, never knew that was there, right? I've got a center block on my bed. That's weird. Right, yeah, I was just-
1: like, is it very visual things you see, or is it more No, no, no. Concepts? This is more so the
0: analogy of what it feels like. Okay. So it's not going to be a literal room. Yeah. It's more so you start to realize like, oh, I do this thing because when I was a kid, I wasn't the handsome stud. Uh-huh. Or, oh, I do this because my sister used to tell me that uh, my nose had too much of a droop. And I've been unconsciously touching my nose ever since. Uh-huh. Right. It's like it, it sheds a light on unconscious parts of your existence. And that's the light bulb. And the more and more you experiment with it, the more you do it. Not that the more you do it like in dose, but I'm sure that is a part of it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: The longer that light bulb stays on. Right.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And there, I feel like at some point you get to a, uh, a level of awareness of the conscious, subconscious, unconscious mind, where it's kind of like the light bulb has stayed on and you're able to be very aware of all your thoughts. And when something happens that's unconscious, you're like, because you're so consciously living, you're like, what? Why did I do that? And you're more quickly able to go, why did I do that? Mm -hmm. And you can now find it in the room because the light bulb stays on. And I think it works with the analogy of like enlightenment. like That is the that is enlightenment. That is literally like the light bulb stays on and you're now consciously living um, your life. And I I think, yeah, that's the best way I can describe the experience of shrooms. Mm -hmm. And um, everyone I know who's done it has only had beneficial experiences. The only people I've heard with negative experiences took an extremely high dose their first time or second time. Um, Or there are people who have like, who you can kind of tell, have a lot of things they don't want to deal with.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And if you take shrooms and the light bulb turns on and you see something in the room you don't want to deal with, it might freak you out.
2: Mm-hmm. Or it
0: might be like, wow, fuck that, it makes me sad. And it's like emotions, if you have an emotion trapped inside you and you don't want to let it out, it manifests itself in illness, pain, disease, things like that. That's what those are. Um, so they saw it, and they're like, I don't want that, and that's really that they've been repressing that for a long time, and they're not ready to release it, but if you take too large of a dose, you're, you're, you're left in the room with light, and you kind of got to look at a lot of yourself, you know, you're mm-hmm. kind of shown yourself in a way, and if you're not in a healthy place, or don't have a healthy practice of forgiving yourself, and loving yourself,
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh, it can be very jarring, um, but for the most part, people kind of ease their way into shrooms just because psychedelics is a kind of a it's kind of a scarier concept, I think, in the yeah. drug world. It was definitely something I was scared of. Um so doing it in a microdose was so like welcoming and warm and yeah, that's my that's my spiel have on have
1: you ever sports. had a bad experience yourself or no? With shrooms? Yeah.
0: Uh no. But I have had I lost um like five friends. Because they were concerned about me doing them.
1: Really? Why? Yeah. What? What was the concern?
0: It was kind of a mixture of things. Um, I don't fault them at all. Mm-hmm. Like objectively, hearing them out and hearing their perspective, I understood. Mm-hmm. It like, might have been a cause for extreme concern, but it was just that they were so unaware of this drug, like they were so uninformed, mm-hmm. um, and I had been previously uninformed. You know, mm-hmm. I like to do my research on everything, though. Mm-hmm. So. I microdosed on my way to the meet him at the bar when he told me we were going to do it. I was googling everything about it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like I don't, I don't like to just, you know, I'm careful if I'm going to ingest things.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, because I had been talking about finally going to therapy and realizing all these things from my childhood and kind of darker topics, mm-hmm. uh, and at the time I didn't realize that you can't just talk to everyone about everything. Yeah. It was just new to me. Mm-hmm. And these were my best friends of like eight years.
2: Mm-hmm. So I was
0: like, guys, can you be, like, like talking about it? And I realized like, you know, in retrospect, like, oh, I was, I was uh, floodlighting in a way I was kind of just like, I, I in my opinion, I was sharing these mm-hmm. newfound discoveries in a positive way. Like, oh my God, I didn't know I was so depressed. It's so good that I know now so I can change my life and not yeah. be. To them, it was like, oh my God, you're depressed? Mm -hmm. Right, they were just hearing it in one way from their perspective, which is valid, it is their way. Uh And but then, when I was also telling them I started doing shrooms and stuff like that, um, they just became very concerned. They were like, Oh no, like he's not feeling great mental health wise, and now he's taking psychedelic drugs. Like, we're worried about him. Mm
2: -hmm. Uh,
0: but then the way they handled it, I thought was just not appropriate, Mm -hmm. and it felt uh, best. After the way everything kind of went down,
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, it felt best to just finally cut the cord on, on all those friendships. I mean, to be friends with people for that long is a pretty impressive feat in and of itself. Yeah. And it's just very natural to outgrow the circles you run in. Mm-hmm. Very natural. It's super rare to be able to be around the same people mm-hmm. for your entirety of your life. And generally, if they do tend to be people you stick around with for life, it's probably because, probably because they are of the same nature. They're constantly growing, constantly mm. learning, constantly reevaluating, and, and, and I'm kind of self aware. Mm-hmm. Um, what about you? Have you ever done any
1: drugs? Um, I have not done shrooms. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I I mean, just like weed and then <laughs> um, like ecstasy ones. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think. I think that's really
0: Your parents know you smoke weed? No,
1: but my mom's about to find out right now cuz oh, she listens.
0: Oh <laughs> my god. I don't
1: smoke weed. I I actually don't react well with weed. Oh yeah. So you've so, you tried it in your life me. So, right so I've tried it yeah. in a few different forms. Uh-huh. Like I tried a gummy, I tried just smoking it, mm. I tried like a pen. I think that I tried uh I think that was it, mm. but oh and like drops too. Uh-huh, yeah. But yeah, I just I freak out. I don't know.
0: What? What? I mean, you don't have to go into it if it's like too. No, I don't care. I'm curious. Like, first of all, uh even just saying it, right? I tried weed. It was kind of like a. Does it still kind of feel like you're from Kansas City, Uh correct? And it's not legal there.
1: It's not legal there, and I know my mom listens. (laughs) Right, but growing
0: up, was it like very kind of like instilled in you like weed is bad oh, weed is yeah. this and, and that and leads to this and
1: yeah and i th- i'm pretty sure actually i feel like my you know my dad did ask one time like if i've done it and i was like yes so they do know but right but, but yes, it's not super yeah um
0: it's not a topic you guys talk
1: about no <laughs> uh-huh but yeah i just i i don't mm-hmm. like um it almost makes things feel animated to me in a mm-hmm. weird way like i look at my arms and it's like
0: <laughs> i'm sorry it's just funny okay, keep going
1: i look at my arms and it looks like i'm in a video game like it it doesn't feel real like me yeah, <laughs> and
2: yeah.
1: and like i hear when i talk it's like i hear my voice echoing
2: uh-huh.
1: and it it just I don't know. I feel I don't like I don't even really like getting drunk. Like I don't even yeah. like drinking that much. I don't like the feeling of loss of control. So I don't know if it's that, but I think that's like a big reason why I don't like it. Yeah. But I don't know.
0: <laughs> well, it's interesting. I mean, um that feeling you're describing, mm-hmm. I know it so intimately. Mm-hmm. And it was a feeling I for a long time didn't like either. Yeah. Um, but then realized like Well, now I don't identify at all with like my physical body. You know what I mean, like, um, which is to say, like the physical senses that your body gives you. So, Mm -hmm. when you're high or on shrooms or whatever, drinking, Mm -hmm. you're literally numbing or lessening or disconnecting from certain senses, or the senses are now altered. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, you're kind of in this like. Have you seen Get Out the movie?
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: It's kind of like you're in that sunken place. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And. But you're able to move everything, but you're like, ah, it just feels like there's a lag now. Like uh-huh. there's a delay between what I'm doing and what's happening. Yeah, And it, like you said, it doesn't feel real. Or you can hear yourself. Like yeah. That's a really specific phenomenon that happens when you're first getting high and you're mm-hmm. not used to it. Or just in general, when you get high.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I've come to love the uh, ability to separate the self from like, the physical body I inhabit. Mm-hmm. That's become like I was like, oh yeah, like you're I'm not my body. Yeah. And I don't believe anyone is, but I mean um No,
1: and I don't think that either. So I don't think it's I don't think it's that part that freaks me out. And Mm. I don't think I'm freaked out about potentially my mind revealing something to me. Like Mm. I I feel like in the same way as you, I embrace that. Like show me what's wrong with me type of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um I don't really shy away from darker topics and um, I, so I don't think it's the realization of like the, your, yourself self yeah. versus body. I think I'm okay with that part, but I think it is because I know as of right now I am in this body and I have control of this body and this body makes choices on this earth and this reality right now <laughs> that whatever I do is going to be perceived and I mean, but then I think about I even get like freaked out when I do it alone though. I don't know. What freaks
0: you out about it? What freaks you out about it when you're alone? Like what Just do You kind of spiral or do you more so like
1: I just like I get like panicky. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm, and
0: mm-hmm. I is
2: very. I
1: just don't because I know right now what I'm working with is this body to like feel a loss of control of that. It's like um I don't know if this is even a proper analogy or makes sense, but it'd be like if somebody was driving drunk In that moment their vehicle is the car and they're they're like separate from the car, but they're still in control of it and they can still damage the car. Wow, that's
0: such a good, I, a good Does analogy. that make sense? No, it's a really okay, good Okay, because right
1: now, like, even if I was alone, my vehicle is my body for my soul in that moment. Mm-hmm. And so I can still cause real harm to it or I can still, like... I, I don't know, I don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. I think it's because all I've known for right now is what i like the senses in this body, and uh-huh. so whenever that gets disconnected, I'm like, I don't wanna crash it, I don't want to ruin something yeah, like yeah, yeah. I don't know like what's gonna happen, like is she gonna be okay like looking at my body, like are you good, girl? <laughs> like uh-huh. is there anything I can do, but I don't know. I think that might be it because that's, that's always the biggest analogy. thing. It's nothing safety. It's a it's, it's a it's, it's a never a mental thing. like about. Yeah, it's not a mental thing. It's mm-hmm. more of like a physical thing. I don't like that disconnect because I I like the sensations. You know. Yeah, know. yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. You like to be grounded. Yeah, it's like a very specific connection to your senses. You're yeah, like, ooh, I don't want to lose them. Yeah. That's so interesting.
1: But what what do you like so much about that separation? Just because it reminds you that those are separate things, and it does it go back to like the ego thing you were talking about? Like,
0: yeah, I think I think it was kind of a lot. I think it's maybe I even am just fondly biased to the idea that for for a very long time, like I told you as a kid, I felt like you know insecure mm-hmm. and not confident, small, and then I kind of grew into myself, grew mm-hmm. into like my like lo- like older body mm-hmm. and older face and everything and was like oh okay this is what i look like now and then i used i like would used to work i used to work out so much i used to want to be ripped and buff and mm-hmm. big and it was just because i still felt like like not enough mm-hmm. without being extremely ripped
2: mm-hmm.
0: and i found that out in therapy mm-hmm. Oh, I work out. Well, not in therapy necessarily, but but like as a result of the way of thinking I started to develop because of therapy. Yeah. Um, but I got injured. I had a shoulder injury after putting on like a lot of weight for a possible role. Mm-hmm. But Really, it was oh, my friend John, mm-hmm. who I was working out with at the time. We both love to work out. Mm-hmm. And for him it was a very spiritual releasing process to finally go out in there all full belt. For me, it was like, I'm finally getting to put on the amount of muscle I always wanted to put on because Mm -hmm. I'm working out with someone who's much bigger than me and stronger. So he can spot me and I could do heavier things, blah, blah, blah. But I was working out for my ego, really. Mm -hmm. Like, finally, I'm going to be as big as I need to be to feel enough. And then I had a shoulder injury. And then my other shoulder was injured. And all of a sudden, I couldn't work out.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And then I was like, oh my gosh, like, I never took care of my shoulders. Like, I, I looked up all the injuries. I learned what it was that I had and was like, oh my God, I never, I was so caught up in finally being this more muscular version of myself Mm -hmm. um, that I hurt myself. And I'm now unable to work out, unable to play tennis. And I was coaching tennis at the time. So that was difficult. Mm -hmm. You know, I had clients who loved to play with me, couldn't even play with them anymore. And it was like a very like, oh, wow, I'm like out of commission. And what for? What was that for? And as soon as I realized that, after about a month of rehabbing my shoulders and stuff, I was like, oh, I am not going to work out again until it's genuinely for like my health and Mm -hmm. not because I feel like I'm not enough. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I went like a year and a half without working out. During that year and a half is when I... Um started to do shrooms and and do that stuff. And that separation of self from senses and body and whatever. Mm-hmm. Like I was look, it was just it helped me come to a place of like, oh, I'm not even the body I'm in anyway. That has not like I'm not the body I'm in. Mm-hmm. This like is like a, you know, they say it's like a temple. And I do believe that. It's like a divine temple. It's m- miraculous things, human bodies. Mm-hmm. Miraculous, incredible things. And so it's like, oh, I'm in this really incredible avatar. Mm-hmm. And it's so fascinating, no matter what they look like, no matter what their shape is, no matter what, mm-hmm. human bodies are incredible. And so it, was, it would help me to just like come to that self-appreciation of like, oh, dude, I love my body in the completely objective, I am not my body way. Mm-hmm. And so that sense of separation... Also, I kind of always felt that they were, I, I had this thing where when I was young, during certain events in my life, I would like retreat to this place in my mind and not be in the room that I'm in because something was going on that was somewhat traumatic or something.
1: You would dissociate? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And um, that place was a safe place. Mm-hmm. And then when I started to experiment with with psychedelics or even just smoking weed, it was like... Oh, I remember this place and this place is where I'm just like I could be however I want. But then I would be however I want as I was in my body even, right? Mm-hmm. I wasn't pulling out, I was actually like it was like I was coming forward like this person that I am in my mind, mm-hmm. the things I wish I say, the things I want to say, I could finally say through my actual avatar,
2: mm-hmm. right?
0: Cuz it was like the inhibitions were um Lessened, so to Mm -hmm. speak, whether it was alcohol or 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 weed or psychedelics or anything like that, and um, so I don't know. I guess that whole process of separating and feeling like, oh, I'm not my body, but so what am I like? Who am I? Yeah, you know. And that took a long time to figure out. So you think
1: there's a self and a body, but do you think the self is a soul? Like, do you believe in souls specifically or something else? Yeah, I just think that,
0: like. The vernacular mm-hmm. of the the self mm-hmm. and the soul, or mm-hmm. your spirit, or Christ within, mm-hmm. or the uh, lightning rod—like, like there's different ways to say it—and mm-hmm. like from what I've learned from like. Being very curious about all religions and stuff mm-hmm. and ideologies. Yeah. They all describe it with different words and different mm-hmm. phrases, different analogies, different poems, different stories. And it's like, oh, this is about the self. Oh, this is about the self. Oh, this is about the self. Yeah. Or the soul or mm-hmm. the spirit. Or it's like to say God or universe or love. Or
1: mm-hmm. it's like. You think God, universe, and love are all synonymous?
0: Yeah. Like. Mm-hmm yeah I do and, and well I, I just think all things are synonymous. I think all things
1: hold on, let me process that. <laughs> all things are synonymous yeah in it, in what way
0: Well, like, even in just a very easy scientific way, like mm-hmm. all things are comprised of atoms okay, or empty space
1: mm-hmm.
0: so like all things are exactly the same okay at the molecular level okay. But there's also all these ideologies and religions and spiritualities and, and all these yeah, things. Yeah, but that, what
1: about the things that aren't physical? You know, like if all things meaning just like physical things. Well, like,
0: I don't know. I think all things like, are energy, so ah, and energy is always physical, even if it's invisible, because energies are waves, and waves come come in the form of atoms. I believe is that correct?
1: I don't think so, but what I are, also what, haven't taken a science.
0: Class. I wouldn't know that either. I just kind of assumed that, so I'm not really.
1: No, to, to I don't, I think atoms are like the physical objects, but then energy is, energy I think is invisible though, right? Energy,
0: not like electrons. <laughs> we, should, <laughs> we should Google this. We should not, I mean, um, we don't, we don't have to, but
1: I can, what, what can do, you really Google Yeah, What yeah, yeah, do you want me to it? define? Just Google,
0: um, define what is, or, what are energy waves comprised of? What? This is so funny. Are a live Googling on, on a podcast. We're coming to you live. I know. Everything with Erica. All right. Okay, what does it say? Let
1: us see. Light, heat, radio, and similar types of energy are carried by a variety of waves on the electromagnetic spectrum. Some energy waves need a medium, such as water or air, through which they travel. The medium moves back and forth as waves carry energy through it, but it does not actually travel along with the wave do you want me to look up if there's atoms in energy? Wow, yeah,
0: Google that maybe. Okay. But either way, I can like still find my through line with what I was saying. Yeah,
1: I was just I thought mm-hmm. that'd be an interesting avenue because if yeah. all things are the same, does all things just mean all physical things, or no, like no. is love? Love is a thing, but you can't look at love. You can look right. at things that represent love, but like it's a it's a, it's a concept, mm-hmm. like you know. So I just. Was very curious what you meant by Mm -hmm. all things are synonymous.
0: Yeah, I feel like I feel like everything. Okay, so that this the easiest, maybe the easiest way to explain this would be that I think everything that exists, at least in our perceivable mind, Mm -hmm. is just. Let's say there was one creator, Mm -hmm. and he was like, "All right, I'm this creator. I'm all powerful, Mm -hmm. and nothing exists except me." But I would like all these things to exist, and also I want to like experience all these things, and so it like fragmented itself into ten gazillion Googleplex things, and these things are comprised of atoms, way energy waves, people, humans, Mm -hmm. dogs, planets, stars, whatever,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and it's just experiencing itself in the fragmented form. Okay. This like all this this the first right mm-hmm. the, the the first thing that ever existed and if that's so we're all fragmentations of the same thing then we're all the same like okay. we're, we're still just that thing mm-hmm. but that thing has just become fragmented but we don't it's 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 all still comprised of itself
1: mm-hmm. so i mean you study or have studied still study several different religions and spiritualities is there one specifically you feel most aligned with, or is it more of a combination, or is yeah, it your own type think, of thing
0: I think um I was fortunate in that I wasn't raised religiously. Mm-hmm. I wasn't taken to church, I wasn't anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, my mother was Catholic before she married my father, who was Baha'i faith mm-hmm. Persian religion, and Baha'i faith is a very welcoming open religion, so even though I was like already not uh, eleven, I think when I went to Sunday school for the first time,
2: mm-hmm.
0: I remember my experience. They were like the class. The teacher was like, "Iman, have you ever been to Sunday?" I was like, "No." And they were like, "Would somebody like to explain what Bahai faith is to Iman? Like, what and what you think it is?" And great, you know, great for a teacher to have a kid explain what yeah. they've learned, right? Mm-hmm. And from what I remember, it was this religion that was like, "Yeah, so all prophets are real; they all existed, oh. but God knew that you couldn't send." black prophet to a white country to tell them about the word of God because they would just kill him or vice versa or you know across all races time and whatever so he sent a bunch of prophets during different times to different places to spread the same concept mm-hmm. right how to live most fully and fulfilled and happy and joyful and peaceful
2: mm-hmm.
0: in love how to live in love and I think all religions at least at their core before being manipulated and misconstrued and rewritten to for power dynamics
2: mm-hmm.
0: were just like hey these are the things we found out whether by divination or prophets or whatever that like if you do this it's going to help you live better mm-hmm. more consciously it's going to it's going to help you live life fully awake and fully in love and um so being a little kid hearing that, I was like, that sounds great. That and to me, it was like, that makes sense.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> like just like economically. Yeah. It's like yeah. that's a great idea. God is a brilliant dude.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Or woman, who knows? Mm-hmm. Or both, or it's both.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And um and then so being like growing up, that was just the idea. So in my mind, it was planted like, oh, so I can learn about life and how to live it best mm-hmm. from all of them.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And one of them, I might learn about this part of life. Like maybe I'll learn about relationships most
2: mm-hmm. from Buddhism. Mm-hmm.
0: But then I'll, relearn, I'll learn most about like following your passions from um, Confucianism or, or Catholicism or whatever, you know? And I think I just sort of... Dove into so many of them and did some like formal classes at, at University of Texas for Taoism, Christianity mm-hmm. and Confucianism. Love Eastern Eastern philosophy. Love philosophy. Mm-hmm. And then I started to realize when I got into art, which was later in my life, I didn't touch art until I was a junior in college.
1: Oh wow. I didn't
0: do anything artistic. Really, yeah. Nothing. I was always trying to be in sports, loved video games for a while. Mm-hmm. And then started tennis when I was 13 and became very obsessed. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like one of my primal passions mm-hmm. is tennis. Um, which, fun fact, found out, and I guess maybe my dad will hear this one day. Maybe he won't.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I did it mostly because uh, my father played tennis. And I always had trouble connecting with my father.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And it was a very deeply emotionally rooted desire Mm -hmm. for like my father's approval. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Right. And as a young boy, that's, you don't know you're doing that. That's the reason. Yeah. I also fell in love with the sport. Mm -hmm. I think the place I first played is called the John Newcomb tennis ranch. They showered me with love and it Mm -hmm. was like a summer camp. And it was like the first place I felt free. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Right. Like it didn't matter my size, height, whatever, because tennis is also a very equalizing sport. Yeah. There was people who were four foot seven beating this five foot nine kids and you were like oh you know for me not being a huge guy or kid I was like oh my god tennis is like the great equalizer you know in my heart you know Mm -hmm. it was such a lovely sport but anyways nothing artistic played college tennis a couple years Mm -hmm. transferred to UT economics I have a degree in economics from UT Okay. and then okay I have to pee so bad okay we can pause you can take a break (laughs) I can't think straight when I have to
1: pee at all Okay, we're back. We're back a lot. <laughs> All right, I gave you tea and water and then expected you to sit down for an hour. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank you for the tea. It was yeah. so good. <laughs> good. Um, anyways, yeah, didn't touch art until I got to UT.
1: Why? What was your introduction to that?
0: What? Um, it was like silly. Like Instagram was just becoming more popular. Mm-hmm. And a friend of mine, an old friend, childhood friend, who I played tennis with for a very long time, he had a camera. And my first trip visiting Austin before I was going to like go to school there,
2: mm-hmm.
0: he took a photo of me by the, by the bridge or no, no, by the bridge, by, by the, what's that building called? Congress, not Congress. The Capitol. The Capitol. <laughs> oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. He took a picture of me by the Capitol mm-hmm. and just like seeing a picture that sharp being done by a friend.
2: Mm-hmm. I was like, oh my God.
0: You know, I was like, <laughs> yeah. dude, you're a pro photographer. Like that was my heart, you know? Yeah. I, um. Was so fascinated by photography, mm-hmm. and so I started like everywhere I went was like trying to take a cool artsy photo with mm-hmm. just my phone. You know, like that was enough. I, and I followed all these photographers on Instagram, mm-hmm. which was initially kind of what it was for. It was like a f- photo yes. sharing platform. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, whoa! Like photography is really cool, mm-hmm. and and then uh, that kind of led me into like fashion, and I was like, oh, I never have had. Style. I've always worn shorts and a shirt and flip flops. Like I've been an athlete for a long time, and um, so I started to really get into fashion, which is art. You know, it's like Mm -hmm. an art in and of itself. And I'm learning all about that. And it was funny. I was doing. I was getting to express my fashion exploration, going to these business networking events Mm -hmm. as part of the economics degree for UT. And I was going, and everybody was dressed very plain and professional, and I was like wearing nice socks and like. Trying to wear like very specific accented things on my tie yeah. and things like that, like trying to look cool mm-hmm. and good and, and felt good. It really mm-hmm. did, yeah. And um, all that was kind of happening. And I, uh, after about a semester of doing all that stuff in economics, I kind of started to realize. I I spoke to some really prominent people in their fields, like partners of firms and stuff, and we would kind of sit down and have really long chats. And I'm a talker. I mean, you're seeing. I'm a talker. I love Perfect to, for a
1: podcast. Yeah, yeah, I guess so.
0: I love to talk and dissect and ask questions and things like that. And uh, after every one of those conversations, it was like certain. I was like, yeah, I definitely don't want to do what you do. Mm-hmm. And they would know after hearing about from me, they'd be like, yeah, you probably probably don't want to go into what I'm doing.
1: Yeah. Um, so why'd you originally pick economics?
0: My parents are both entrepreneurs, uh-huh. they had businesses growing up. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, it was just kind of like a very normal thing, going yeah, to business.
1: It's what you knew, going to business. Yeah. I got a
0: business administration associate's degree
1: mm-hmm. before
0: I transferred, and then economics was really easy for me. It was like a, it was also kind of this one thing where it was like, this is the least effort I have to put in, because I wasn't a huge fan of the educational system. Like I was like, mm-hmm. okay, school is kind of a, I had a weird school upbringing because. From a very young age, learned specific things from my parents, maths and writing and things like that.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. I was supposed to skip four grades as a kid, and they only skipped me one. But then they asked every one of my teachers to give me double or triple homework. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And yet still, and I didn't know this. I didn't know this till I was out of school. Uh And they were like, yeah, we used to have to do that.
2: I would finish
0: all my homework in class Uh while they were teaching the subject. Because and I remember this distinctly, all I would need is one example. I was like, okay. And I could apply it to all of it. Mm-hmm. So I would just finish all my homework in class, and then I would just start talking in class. I was always getting in trouble for talking in class. Mm-hmm. And my parents...
1: Were you talking like to your to peers, students. people next to you? Or like you were trying to talk to the teacher? No, no, to
0: other students. Oh, and she and was like, I, yeah, you Yeah, you're distracting them. Uh-huh. And she was right. I yeah. was distracted. They, they, they needed to learn it, mm-hmm. you know, for the most part. And so I was kind of always alone in that regard. Um, And so schooling was just this weird thing for me. I was like, I go to school to sit around and wait most of the day Mm -hmm. for other people to learn what we're learning. And I kind of understood. I was like, I get it. Not everyone learns at the same pace. But that doesn't mean I didn't have five hours a day at an eight-hour school day where I'm just sitting, waiting, Mm -hmm. thinking and like, Mm, like bored and yeah. whatever or getting in trouble because my reaction was to sleep or to, to talk or do something yeah. so now I'm like ugh, dealing with all these other dynamics So school was always weird for me
2: mm-hmm.
0: so putting in the least amount of effort for me was always like this thing I wanted to do and economics was so natural for me and for most people it wasn't natural and all of a sudden even at In college, you know, because in college it kind of is an equalizer too. You you go you go around some pretty brilliant people. Mm -hmm. You know, I met some people who were my age or younger, or you know, a little bit older, who I was like, "Whoa, like actually this, I need your help with." I truly don't understand what's this part is, and Mm -hmm. wow, like this is cool. So I liked being at university because I was meeting other like really brilliant people, Mm but. most of the classes were still kind of the feeling of like this is all kind of like not for anything. Yeah. Um, and economics was more difficult for most people and easy for me. So it became this thing where I was like, oh, it's like in like my the rest of school all uh-huh. my life where I can just learn it really quick. But in college, you can just leave class. So I would go to class for half hour. He'd mm-hmm. teach the concept and then the rest of class was like questions and doing it in practice. I like, got it. Leave class early. So then I was doing half the time in classes and the economics degree, which is so good. Thank you, UT. Most of their classes were comprised of three exams. Mm-hmm. That made up your entire grade. So you could do the homework if you wanted. Yeah. You didn't have to. But, y- you know, you kind of needed to try it out on all those different problems yeah. to learn how to apply it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So I would go to the first, I kind of like figured it out after about a semester, like first four weeks of class, and then you get an exam. and it's only four weeks of content.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Boom, Ace that, easy. The next seven to eight weeks, you don't have an exam, so it's a lot more content, um, but the exam is weighed the exact same way.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So I would just skip out of class for a couple months, right? And not to, I would just bomb that second exam. You know, I try to study right before they do like study reviews, and I'd I'd basically be learning it at the study review, bomb it, and then the third exam is only about five weeks of new content, Mm -hmm. but they are going to review the first four weeks of content, the second eight weeks of content, and the last five weeks of content. And for finals, you get the last year's final, you get supplemental instructors, Mm -hmm. you have multiple study groups going to get go through old study guides. They like pump you with accelerated learning or accelerated review. Mm -hmm. So everything I missed in those eight weeks, I would learn in two weeks. And that's how I preferred it. Because I was like, well, I get it that quick. So it's better if I just go when they're teaching it that quick. Mm -hmm. And so I would do that. And then the third exam, you were allowed to replace an exam that you had in class. Uh,
1: I see. (laughs) Yeah, so (laughs) I would
0: just take the first and get a good grade, the last and get a good grade. Some okay, the later classes, my senior year, mm-hmm. they stopped doing that. Mm-hmm. so I was actually going into three classes my last semester with a failing grade in the class. one of them I needed a perfect score, and the other two I needed A's. Mm-hmm. took the tests, knew I got the two A's, wasn't sure about the perfect score, and just kind of didn't you know wouldn't graduate if it didn't get it, but it was mm-hmm. just like a toss up, and then you know you find out a little bit later, like a month later after graduation. And fortunately, I got it. And I actually don't know if I got the perfect score because I've had exams where I leave and I go, "Yeah, I know I got a perfect score, yeah, without a doubt." And I've also had exams where I'm like, "I don't know," and I do, or I'm like, "I don't know," and I don't. I wasn't sure. There was mm-hmm. a couple problems where I was like, "I don't. I'm not a hundred percent sure."
1: Because
0: mm-hmm. um, they were more like qualitative. Like you had to write, yeah, your response as mm-hmm. opposed to a numerical value, yeah. Um, so it's possible that the professor was like, All right, I'll bump him up. It's uh-huh. his senior year type thing and didn't tell me. Um, or I got the perfect score. But either way,
1: you did fortunately it. <laughs> graduated. Yeah. Um What about with creative things? Do mm-hmm. you feel like you understand concepts really quick or is creativity using is it presenting a new kind of challenge that you hadn't had before?
0: Yeah, I think I think um As I started to realize I didn't want to do anything with economics in the career field, Mm -hmm. and I started to kind of explore what I wanted to do in creative ideas, I wanted to be like a fashion blogger or something, but it kind of just kept growing. I realized I was already having, I already had somewhat of like a natural affinity for like um, shot selection, right? Not that I would have known that's what it's called before, Mm -hmm. but I used to just be like, wait, wait, no, you go here. This needs to move there, that goes here, the colors of this match, you got to take that out of the picture, you know, and then I'd shoot a picture or like a little video on my phone, but it was like very simple, but it was like instinctual
2: mm-hmm.
0: and I realized that it was because I grew up on movies, like i I loved movies, and I would mm-hmm. go to like two movies a week, three movies a week, mm-hmm. like I loved yeah. movies, yeah, but didn't put that together as a thing that I was able to do. I was like, I watch movies, I don't know how to you know. The barrier for it felt so large. Yeah, but then it—I I think creative processes differently, like music, acting, film, all that stuff, was harder because I had such a like one-two-three brain, ABC mm-hmm. brain, like yeah. a logical brain from economics in particular. Like yeah. you don't skip steps in economics or yeah. math, you know, and. When it was like, oh, we're dealing with like ethereal intangibles, I was like, well, okay, so what do you do to get there? Right. And it was like, well, everyone does it differently. It's like, what? Yeah. You know, okay, what do you do? Yeah. It's like, okay, I could tell you what I do, but it might not work for you. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, usually it wouldn't. You know, it was like, oh, I have to like mold around until I, <laughs> I just gotta mess around till I find these things. Yeah. Um, so actually, in retrospect, I've never really been asked that. I think creative. Creative anything Mm -hmm. was hard for me to conceptualize, and what it ended up becoming more of was a surrendering to like a, oh, the less the less I do, the more I get
1: with creativity. Mm -hmm. Really,
0: the more I get, yeah.
1: And why? Why did you come to that conclusion? You think you were overthinking? It took so long processes to too far or it, too much
0: it, it took me a long time to finally figure this out but mm-hmm. um it was when i was in like a, a more present state right like a very conscious uh, list state where i was just kind of hanging out or, mm-hmm. or watching something uh, that i'd be in- inspired like an idea would come to me i'd be like oh i want to like don't move this is a really cool shot of you with the light here or like I'm like, oh, this sounds kind of cool, like an idea for a song. Yeah, it was when I wasn't trying that an idea had room to find me.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I think myself in particular I've had other. I've had I've spoken to other creatives who feel this way, so it's kind of like, oh, cool, this is nice to hear. Mm-hmm. I think we're. I, I'm like a I'm like a lightning rod, and if I'm constantly trying to spin around and charge up into electricity, it doesn't really do anything because lightning. I don't. I'm not. I don't create lightning. I receive it, and and so I was like, "Oh, let me stop, like, doing anything, and give there. Let there be room for the lightning to strike, to strike me. Like, you know, not 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 fog up my receptor with my attempt at laborious creativity. And that took a long time. I specifically noticed that in acting." My coach was so good. Her name is Laurel Vourey in Austin, Texas. Phenomenal, one of the best I've ever worked with. And she would always go, "Iman, turn off your brain. Acting is not about thinking." I was like, "What?" You know, mm-hmm. my whole life was about thinking. Yeah, I was like, shit, sure. no, it was hard.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but sure enough, like, there were moments where if I was able to really surrender to that. Magic would happen. Things would happen that I don't even know how they happen. Like in a scene, I would just like finally surrender. All I'm doing is saying the words and showing up, knowing what's going on. And it would fly out. And it was like, it was like I fell asleep at the wheel and someone else drove the car. Mm-hmm. And I woke up and then after I'm sitting in the car and they're going, dude, the driving was great. Next time take this turn here and this turn there. And at first I was like, this is, this is weird Uh because I didn't do anything. I don't, I like, I hardly have a memory of what we just, I just did. And it was kind of scary at first because Mm -hmm. the first time it really happened was a very emotional scene. And I was like, I don't know if I could do this. You know, like that's, that was scary. Mm -hmm. Um, but the more and more I stuck with it, because I kind of had this feeling I was meant to, to continue with acting. The more and more I stuck with it, the more and more I started to become very uh, comfortable with that feeling. And then started to realize, oh, I, I actually really love this feeling mm-hmm. where you, you don't have to do anything. You get to just be and exist. And things come through you. Things find you and come through you and like speak through you. As an actor, for myself at least, my process, it moves my body it moves my mouth, my eyes. Like I am quite literally, be, I become a puppet to this this character that's been written on a page. The better the character, the more things happen. Like, mm-hmm. but I don't do much. I don't try to do much. now. I, I now my goal as an actor is to stay flexible. So I stretch so much every day if I'm going to be acting,
2: mm-hmm.
0: mm, and the whole time I'm like also vocally warming up so that my voice and my face is loose. Um, and then I just like meditate throughout the day. So then when they call action. Um, I'm just like this empty vessel
2: mm-hmm.
0: and things just show up. And
2: yeah. then
0: after I'm like, oh, wow. And I never, could, I never know how it'll go. But I, I, I kind of like in an optimistic way, I'm like, well, this is all the stuff I'm doing so that it'll go well. Mm-hmm. And it has gone well so far. Um, but yeah, and then that I realized applied to everything. You know, I really, I ended up quitting acting last year. Uh, because after about two and a half years of living in Los Angeles and not booking anything, my relationship with acting became very tumultuous.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It was all ego driven and I was getting worse. And I genuinely believe it. Like, I, I bet if I look at all my old tapes, because I used to every self tape be like, I'm getting worse at this. Mm-hmm. And me being a director with the like, ability to like, watch a performance objectively, even if it was mine, you know, it's my self tape, but I can mm-hmm. look at it and go, that's not it. Yeah. I wouldn't cast me. Um, it was. The, it, I was trying to do more and more and more and more. I started a new acting class. I worked harder. I did more rehearsals. I practiced the lines more. I tried to do more to the point where I was exhausted and I quit. And then I started making music, rap music. That's Dragon Wolf. Mm-hmm. And Dragon Wolf was like a reminder of like, oh, don't do anything. These words, they just fly out of my mouth. Like I don't even try to say them. They'll find me like the two songs I have out now, Perfect's in Every Way and I'm Tired, they mm-hmm. both came to me in five to ten minutes. Like I was just sitting one day and knew I had something. I was like, couldn't sleep. Mm-hmm. It was like word vomit. And I just turn on a voice memo and record.
1: Did you know you wanted to make music? Or did you think it was more of just a thought or a poem or a line for something? Or how did you then?
0: Turn it into music. Mm-hmm. So I used to do slam poetry in Austin.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. and I there's you told me about that. Mm-hmm.
0: And um, and then I always wished I could sing, and I sing a lot, like all the time. Mm-hmm. took some voice lessons sometimes, and always kind of like got discouraged, got re-encouraged, discouraged. So I wrote poetry all the time, loved rap music, always wished I could sing, and used to love to rap with friends, like freestyle, but it was such an ego thing of like, I can't be a rapper. I'm not a rapper you know rappers are hard and rappers are uh, and this and that and i was like oh you know that's not me you know and uh, that's the only reason i didn't ever make rap before cuz of my ego being like you mm-hmm. can't do that you know which who cares like none literally nothing of that matters none mm-hmm. of it matters you just you just if you want to make music you make music and it's totally chill yeah and um i uh on that shroom trip that big one i was when okay i realized every time i would get High or do shrooms, whatever, I would speak in rhyme. If I was by myself, mm-hmm. I would speak or think in rhymes all the time. Like mm-hmm. I was like, man. And I would be speaking and like laughing because I was like, I could just do this forever.
2: Yeah. Forever. Mm-hmm.
0: And um, and then it was during that trip, I, I think I found like an app for beats. Cause I was like, if I'm speaking in rhyme, I just want to put them on a beat or something. Mm-hmm. I'm rapping now. Yeah. Um, And that was kind of like a seed sparked, a seed planted of like expressing. uh, It was like this open channel that rapping and music let me do, where anything that was subconscious and unconscious would find its way out musically. It was Mm -hmm. like a little, like, perfect connector to my soul. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And I'm always trying to excavate and learn about myself and soul. Mm -hmm. So when the music started coming out, I didn't even know what I was saying. Like, I wouldn't know what I was saying until after. And I would listen back and be like, oh, man, that's how I feel about that. Or, like, oh, wow, that's how I feel about that. Or, damn, that's what I thought or think, you know? Like, mm-hmm. and it was actually super surprising. And I had to go through all these, like, you know, phases of acceptance of, like, oh, yeah, that's, that's me, man. Those are my thoughts. Those are my feelings. Those are like, that's the real me. Mm-hmm. And, um, by that time, I had already kind of put out like seven songs during the pandemic. I didn't really know anything about song structure or anything like mm-hmm. that. Didn't even know how to count bars. Very mm-hmm. simple thing as a rapper to know.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And so my rap was all kind of like spoken word, written type poetry, wrapped out, mm-hmm. and it wasn't necessarily structured in, in song structures. But it didn't matter. It was just as influential to me in learning about myself because I'm looking at the lyrics and learning... About myself through the things I'm saying, and um, so after all that, I, I engaged with really learning it and understanding the structure of it and what makes it really digestible. And uh, by that point, I was already making rap music. So these last couple songs that just showed up all together on a win, like out of nowhere, seemingly, I was already kind of making music. So it came out like a song. I put a beat on. I mm-hmm. like shuffled through beats to get my thoughts out. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know what's ailing me and not letting me sleep. But I know if I listen to beats, it'll show up. Like mm-hmm. it's like it's like a free therapy. Yeah, It'll come out. Mm-hmm. And so it came out. Boom, one song. Boom, came out another. And then now I have like, I'm kind of sitting on like seven unreleased ones. And they all, same thing, came out. Um, and it's... Uh, yeah, it's been really it's been really liberating. Yeah. I, I um but that I say that because I had quit acting at the time and doing the music thing. I remembered, oh, this is what I used to love about acting is this like surrendering and unconscious, um present mindedness. That's the only way that rap comes out when you're really in and they call it it's really great how vernacular like language works. They call it like, oh, you got a nice flow, right? Nice flows mm-hmm. is like your your cadence and all that stuff. Yeah. But also, when you're meditating or when you're in an athletic sense, you come into a flow, flow state,
1: mm-hmm. the zone, yeah,
0: right. And um, in an acting, they call it being in the moment. You're very present, like so. That's another version of like all things being, yeah, similar, right? Mm-hmm. This is one of those synonymous concepts that is described so many different ways knew it intimately from music, remembered it from acting. And then through that have now realized like, oh, through that process, I'm now, that's the way I apply it to all the things I do. Poetry, writing, scripts. If I'm going to direct something, take a picture, a video, like it's all kind of just, you let go and you let it take you. You Mm -hmm. literally jump into the river of it and Mm -hmm. you're in flow. Um. So, it took me a long time to get to that point, but that that was the concept of just like letting go and surrendering and, and uh,
1: yeah uh where are you at? Have you ever tried to get into that flow state and you you're you feel like you're surrendering, but then nothing happens like what do you do in that situation? Do you accept that and move on, or do you sit in that feeling for a while and does yeah. something come later or
0: you know since it's kind of um a more recent discovery. Mm-hmm. And really, it's. How, how
1: long has it been? Like a.
0: Um,
1: well, when did you start
0: realizing it? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it kind of was the accumulation of the last like, year and a half during mm-hmm. the pandemic. Yeah. But it was also because I was just trying to get to a point where like, I lived my life like that. Mm-hmm. So from day sunrise to sunset, you know, like wake up from bed, go to bed, I was in flow. Right. Like I wasn't bogged up by any thoughts of the future or the past. Oh. To be present. Okay. Be so, like, in every moment, you're there. 100% of you is there. Mm -hmm. And I've learned now you kind of have to navigate some future and past things, Mm -hmm. right? Because for planning and stuff. Yeah. Um, But for a while, I was like, so. Specifically, trying to be so present and doing well at it, but then I would forget I had plans and be like, "Oh, yeah, I have plans." yeah, um, but but nonetheless, even then, there's this remarkable thing that happens. It's like this quantum law of the universe that like, if so, you follow your heart, um, things just work out in this really magical way. Mm-hmm. And so really, if you just stay present and you stay in flow, even those things that you might have planned or not, whatever, they work themselves out. There's like no point to worry about the ones in the future. Or to worry about the ones in the past, they're gone. And so being in this flow state, I was just trying to find that and and keep that in practice on a daily basis, Mm -hmm. regardless of creativity. But then because I was doing that for my human self, for like my human existence.
1: like So what did that look like? Is it how you were describing in the beginning? Like you woke up and knew the things you should do, but you're like, I, I want to do the things I want to do. Is that <laughs> kind of how it manifests? Yeah, or... actually,
0: the beginning of it was pandemic hit. Uh-huh. No one's requiring anyone to do anything. We're all locked down at home. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, there's no like... Um, everyone wakes up at this hour. Everyone does this in this hour, traffic this hour, this and that. Like, there's no outside forces. You're allowed to sleep in all day if you want. Mm-hmm. During the pandemic, there was like maybe two days, three days in a row. I just stayed in bed most of the day. Yeah. And I was like, mm, this feels good. Yeah. You know, gosh, <laughs> this feels good. But then little things like, um, like I would, I would catch myself going, oh, I shouldn't do that. And then I'd be like, why shouldn't I do that? And I would reevaluate, like, oh, because my mom used to tell me I shouldn't do that. Do I think I shouldn't do that? Like, mm-hmm. do I really?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And so, this um, following your like your gut or your instinct, your intuition, your heart, whatever you want to call
2: mm-hmm.
0: it, uh, became like okay. I, I just started to experiment during the pandemic. What would happen if I only ever did what I truly, if nothing else existed except this moment right now, wanted to do? Mm-hmm. And I I I try to put that into practice. And, you know, I was I would falter here and there, but when I wouldn't falter, when I would stay committed to that, no matter what thoughts came up, no matter what fears or whatever,
2: Mm I was
0: like, no, but just don't listen to anything other than the feeling of this feels like what I want to do more than anything in the world. And just just see what happens.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: It kept working out magically. Mm -hmm. Like things would fall into place that were like, wow, that's the best thing that could have happened. Mm -hmm. And then if I went against it, right, if for any moment I was like, oh, no, this one I have to kind of compromise on. Mm -hmm. The compromise would cost me greatly. Cost me peace of mind. Cost me um, physical effort. Cost me complication, miscommunication. Like, Like not... Doing that which my heart truly desired, mm-hmm. right? And which felt good, um, usually started costing me more than it, than it benefited me. Um, and uh, so it was kind of the experimentation of that. But then also during the pandemic, a friend and I uh, were mugged. We were robbed at gunpoint after a protest. We were at a Black Lives Matter protest,
2: mm-hmm.
0: walking back to our car. And these guys jumped out of a car, put guns to our stomachs, and uh, were like, give us all your stuff. I was kind of like, oh man, you know, gave them our stuff, they ran off, uh, everything was okay, you know, weren't harmed, mm-hmm. they dropped his phone, he had his phone, made a police report, all that stuff, but um, that next day, actually, so that next day is when I quit acting, because at that point, I had an acting class to go to that night, and um I had already felt like the class was obligatory. I was like, I'm not having fun. I'm just doing it because the acting coach wants yeah. me to stay in class. And yeah. I'm like, I should stay sharp. And this feature film script that I was kind of being encouraged to write, but I felt like it was pressure, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, There's a few other things that I, after that experience, I've had. I've had a few near-death experiences, and I'm really grateful that I'm okay and safe and healthy. Mm-hmm. But they're all experiences that were like, yeah, you were right there. You know, like... Very fortunate to have gotten through them. And w- this last one was like, oh, it was like a slap in the face. Like, I've already been in the practice of experimenting with only doing what I would do if I lived alone on an island with all of the resources in the world mm-hmm. and no one else existing. What would I just do by myself mm-hmm. to make me happy, to like enjoy my life? And um, after that happened, when we got mugged the next day, it was like, okay. Yesterday, I almost died. Oh my God, today I'm alive. What will I do today? Right? Like, like they usually, there's a, like a saying that's like, I think it was a philosopher uh, who quoted, who was quoted saying like, um, uh, maybe pretend that you've died today and starting tomorrow, live life as if every other day was um, another chance. Mm-hmm. So like, Die.
1: Sounds very stoic. <laughs> yeah, it's a stoicism yeah.
0: quote, I think. Yeah. And for me, it was like in that moment, it was so clear the next day. I was like, man, because my friend, he had not really been in many near death experiences. Mm-hmm. So this was very impactful for him. He was like, I'm still processing, blah, blah. But for me, it was pretty quick. I was like, dude, for me, I've, I've been in the, the opposite side of like, you almost died. Oh my God. Like, mm-hmm. how do you feel now? Energy. And this one was so different. It was like, oh, oh my God, again. Okay, things are very clear now. Because tomorrow I might get mugged and it might go wrong and they might shoot me in the stomach and I die or a car crash or whatever. So I just started going, all right, I would wake up and go, today's my last day. What do I want to do? Right. And Mm -hmm. that was kind of a solidifying factor Mm -hmm. in in that. And um, I uh, realized that like, that was the only way I wanted to live from that point on, and that I can call flow state, you know that mm-hmm. I can call like um, being in the present moment.
2: Mm-hmm. Being
0: in the moment and things things will take you out, so like uh I had to develop a practice right like you were saying, what does that look like now? Mm-hmm. It took like a year really because it was like kind of a six month process of experimentation, and then like it's been a year of putting it in practice, mm-hmm. things will pull you out like like uh. The way you react to things amongst people, communication,
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh, obligations, like things will try to pull you out. And the way you handle them uh, dictates whether or not you stay in flow state and present minded, or mm-hmm. if you spiral into like fear or anxiety or worry or depression or, mm-hmm. or regret and guilt and those things, like past or future things, mm-hmm. instead of just being in that flow state where, because for me, flow equals joy. Right. And mm-hmm. it's like uh, flow equals like when you're in play, my right? Brene Brown, incredible.
1: Yes. Yeah. Brene
0: Brown is incredible.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: She she was saying that play is when you like lose a sense of self, lose a sense of time mm-hmm. and you don't want to stop doing it. Mm-hmm. And I really I was like I really related to, to like so much of her work really changed a lot of my life. Mm-hmm. And it's like what does that like when I play tennis, I'm in I'm I'm in I'm play. Yeah. I really don't want to stop. I love it so much. Mm-hmm. When I watch movies, I feel that way. When I act, now, before, not so much. When, mm. I, act, when I rap
2: mm-hmm. or make
0: music, I want to do that all day. I, could, I can do that forever, you mm-hmm. know? And um, so now um, I realize, like, physical physical tension will also pull you out of flow. So, so now I have, like, a very specific routine of stretching, breathing, breathing. Um, affirmations. Like I'm listening I'm listening to affirmations daily. Because mm-hmm. now I've gotten into metaphysics and and the idea that your word is your wand, it's Florence, Skolshin, she's a metaphysician. Um and like everything you say eventually becomes what you think. Um so the the strongest way to impress upon your sub and subconscious and unconscious mind is mm-hmm. by spoken word. hmm and so now I'm very, very specific about what I say, um, and I'm also very specific about what people say around me, mm-hmm. even if it's not to me or about me i'm so cur- I'm so tailoring of like, yo, I don't want to speak of that in this in that regard mm-hmm. or in that nature and it's it's definitely like caused moments of conflict with people, but we've always been able to talk it through where I can explain like I don't care what you talk about. Mm-hmm. I care what's spoken of around me or to me. Mm-hmm. And if you ever asked me, dude, like, I don't want to talk about that. I would respect that. Mm-hmm. Go, oh, okay, totally. Uh, you know, I mm-hmm. want to have a conversation we both want to have. Um, and there's nuances to that, right? There's hard conversations you must have. And there are things that won't feel good.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um. But I also have like a a very high level, like I live on faith, right? Like faith, because if you're in the present moment and you're not planning for too many things, Mm -hmm. you kind of have to have faith that it'll work out, you know? Um, Because if you don't and you're trying to live present-minded, but in the back of your mind, you have a fear that it's not going to work out, usually it doesn't. Mm -hmm. Because that which you sort of allow to seep into your unconscious or subconscious mind manifests itself physically. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been on a major tangent bender um
2: perfect what is your
0: i'm (laughs) curious though like so what do you how do you feel about like flow state or or like a daily routine to keep you in whatever that might mean for you
1: um i feel like i'm currently reworking that what you you were just talking about uh um really thinking about paying a lot of attention to the things I feel like I have to do and just like how my body physically reacts. Mm -hmm. Like if I wake up and I'm like in a good mood, I mean it's a fresh start to the day. But then if I automatically think of something I have to do later and like my chest gets tight Mm. or like I just like feel my temples like pulse, I'm like, okay, am i choosing to do this yes or no and it's like if i have to do it i don't know i'm i'm trying to balance i've been learning like more about stoicism too like so i've been applying that and that's been helpful but um just trying to be aware of what is in my control cuz like you said there's things that you have to do that don't always feel good or that aren't playful or aren't mm-hmm, fun mm-hmm, but they're mm-hmm. a kind of a necessity you know so, but I'm just trying to be more aware of the things that don't feel good, that aren't necessary. And then I'm just putting on myself to do. And I'm trying to reduce those and then also become more aware of the things that I do that I completely lose track of time and I don't get distracted and I feel fulfilled after doing it and I'm excited to start it. And, um, Yes, I'm very intrigued by flow state because yes. with my day job, I have to set a computer and I have to like type and do like very structured things. And I worried that because I work on my computer and I'm writing like kind of like SEO and more corporate type of style mm-hmm. writing, I worried that would then damage or hurt my relationship with like fun writing, personal writing and creative writing. And I feel like I was avoiding that for a long time. Like I was always like. You
0: avoided writing in general like or avoided the, the, the thinking of this?
1: Uh, writing in general. I would journal because I knew that was easy. That's just like right now thoughts. And then I would edit a lot of other people's things. Like I edited a friend's poem, like or a poetry book, mm-hmm. a stranger's poetry book, um, like an, another friend's like college, like personal essays. I like helped them edit that. And Every time I did it, I loved the process of like working with words and writing and edits and rethinking like how words flow and sound and just like everything that in that goes into writing. And I think I was deceiving myself thinking that because I'm still like helping other people mm. and because I'm still journaling, like I'm still making progress with writing whereas I have this book that has edits to be made and I'm just I was avoiding doing it for so long because like it was on my computer, or I was just worried that I would return to it and not want to do it anymore <laughs> because I've been on like writing and doing other kinds of writing. I was like, what if I've exhausted myself, you know? So currently working through that, but after working with other people's writing and seeing, like, no, I can still love it. It's it's still very separate, like in my mind and my heart. Like I react to the writing differently, even though it might be the same physical process of a different kind of work, you know? Yeah. But, um, yeah, that's currently what I'm working through. Mm -hmm. And then with the things that I do that I don't want that are in my control, I'm in, I'm working through changing that and figuring out how I can change that in a way that is reasonable and mm-hmm. like sustainable, you know, yeah. not making impulse decisions that might harm me in the long run, like still keeping myself like safe and secure or but also like fulfilled. So that's <laughs> that's where I'm at. Yeah, the
0: balance, the great balancing act. Yeah. Um, that idea of not making the impulse decisions that might harm you in the long run, that one I think is so interesting because I think it's a concept anyone can relate to. Like, Mm -hmm. we all have the random impulsive uh, options. Mm -hmm. Like, it's like, oh, all of a sudden, I would really love to do this. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm evaluating kind of what might be the repercussions are or whatever. And there were a lot of those that, like, I would just kind of jump off the deep end for Mm -hmm. or jump into the deep end. Jump off the cliff! I know what you mean. Jump <laughs> off the <laughs> deep end is funny. Dude. I didn't
1: even notice until no, you pointed it. Out. It's just like I was just like, yeah, yeah. For jump sure.
0: off the deep end. Yeah, yeah jump yeah. off. Um, and it was just kind of like <laughs> a big one was financial, right? Yeah. So yeah.
2: Like,
0: I, you know, finances. You, know, I think, I think we're all like Zeming said, right? Your childhood frames and forms so much of the way you mm-hmm. exist.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um. And a big one of those is you inherit financial habits
2: mm-hmm.
0: from the way you're raised. And unless you rewire and reform those habits, you're going to be you're gonna fall victim to them. Yeah. That might not be a bad thing. If you grew up wealthy mm-hmm. and all the financial habits around you were those that were prosperous and gained wealth, mm-hmm. you might naturally just become a wealthy because you make the decisions that lead to wealth because those are the only things you saw regarding mm-hmm. finances and money um, which is a natural understanding like you have wealth so then you have an understanding of how to garner accumulate and save and invest wealth if you have wealth and then you can literally turn around look at your kid and go this is this is what we do mm-hmm. and the kid's like great that's what one person should do mm-hmm. and then if you grow up and your parents don't have wealth and they're you know working every day all day to make ends meet you think how do you make money you work all day every day to make just enough right like mm-hmm. that's that's the way you're formed yeah um so a big one for me because i was in i'm also a very like i'll i'll jump no i'm not like one foot in i'm like like in your in your case we talked about it like really, I'm just gonna start the podcast because yeah. I really want to. I know I want to. Mm-hmm. I know I want to, and I'll have fun even if I don't do it well at first or yeah. don't do it. Or perfectly. even if no
1: one listens, like I get to yeah. talk to all these people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, this is the fun part. Yeah, and for me, that's how I was with rap mm-hmm. with with acting. I just was like, oh, I'm gonna go for it because yeah, we'll for me, it out along the yeah, lines. I'll figure it out on the way. I'll learn it best by doing it.
1: Yeah,
0: and. um, I, uh, with financial, are you okay?
1: Yeah, I always smack my hand on the table. <laughs> Sorry, <That's funny>. continue. <laughs> um,
0: I heard you smack your knee in some things Episode. Yeah,
1: see, it always happens. It was <laughs> <laughs>
0: so funny. I was like laughing, you know, was, like, yeah. what a great moment. Yeah. Um, for the listener, too. Like you're just listening and, mm, and It's like, oh, it's like oh
1: yeah, they are just sitting They're humans on the table, yeah. <laughs> just fumbling oh, about.
0: And, um, Anyway, so it was financial stuff because uh-huh. we're talking about the balancing act of yeah. what fulfills you, what you don't feel like doing, but you want to feel safe because you don't want to. You also don't want the stress of being financially inept or whatever. Yeah. I was fortunate that during the pandemic, um, my leasing manager was an he is an angel. I'm mm-hmm. a saint and helped me work through. You know, like I had no income coming in, unemployment wasn't coming in mm-hmm. for me. Um, So there was just nothing for me to do. Um, But I was also just at that time, you know, like starting to reevaluate my financial decisions Mm -hmm. and me starting to really experiment with like, okay, if I just do what I really want to do in this present moment, it'll work itself out. Mm -hmm. That was really scary with money. yeah, Because I'd have like, let's say I had $11. And I'd be like, all right, this thing costs $10. I'd be like, that's all my money. (laughs) But like also like what's $11 going to do? Eleven dollars isn't gonna pay your rent that month or pay for your car. Like eleven dollars is eleven dollars. And and I, I started to apply the uh my die right after this method to my finances. Mm-hmm. Which for most people is like, what?
1: Yeah, and yeah. <laughs>
0: even for me, it was like, oh, like my whole body would just scream and shake, like, oh my yeah. God, you're gonna do this. But it was in a way, it was like I knew, like, yeah, but but it's not screaming and shaking in the way of like, don't do it. It was like, oh my God, you're going to do this. Mm-hmm. And actually like, Ooh, let's see what happens. It was an, an excitement. Mm-hmm. And I uh, had a very distinct memory about a year and a half ago. No, 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 a year ago. Came back. I spent four months in Austin during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. I came back. post, you know the gun mugging and realizing the way I want to live blah Mm -hmm. blah. I get back, don't have any money you know I don't have money, unemployment isn't there and um, I go to a coffee shop with a friend Mm
2: -hmm.
0: and we're going to talk like manifestation, metaphysicality Mm -hmm. spirituality and so he's kind of asking questions of things I had just learned I was like Mm -hmm. I just figured those things out and he was like oh tell me about those because I just was reading about them and I want to know more and I wanted to buy this croissant and it was like $4 and I had like five in my account or something. And I had this moment where I was like, no, I won't buy it, right? I only have five dollars. So I gotta buy my coffee. I go up there, he goes, Let me get you your coffee. Like you're, you know, you're, you're talking with me, let me buy your coffee.
2: Mm-hmm. I was like,
0: Oh, okay, yeah, thank you. because um, I was also working on like being a better receiver of of things. Mm-hmm. So then I sit down and I go, hmm, in my head, I'm like, actually now I have the five dollars for the croissant. And it's all my money though, really. Mm -hmm. I had five dollars in my account. I was like, it's all my money. And then I had that thought. It's not gonna help. Five dollars ain't gonna make no difference in no one's life. But in this moment, I really want that croissant. I really want it. And if I died right after this situation, right right after we hang out, I would be so remiss if I didn't get the croissant. I'd be like, dude, oh (laughs) your last scene in your life's movie and you didn't eat the fucking croissant, (laughs) dude. (laughs) That's like in my heart right now. Like it's instilled in me. Like you didn't eat the croissant I use now across all these things. You didn't
1: eat the fucking croissant. You didn't
0: eat the croissant. (laughs) is like to say like you didn't ask that girl for her number or you didn't, uh, you know, text the director directly because you're not afraid. Like, you know, nothing of fear. Mm -hmm. You didn't go for it. And it's all from like you didn't eat that croissant. You didn't eat that freaking amazing almond something croissant. Uh I don't even know. It was so delicious. Yeah. And I was so delicious and I was eating it like, "Mm." (laughs) wow, dude, (laughs) eating it like if it was my last ever first ever croissant, like, whoa, dude, because it also, I guess I kind of knew I have just broken a massive barrier Uh to fearing the spending of money. And, uh, that for the rest of my life Mm -hmm. and I was living on like manifested money for six months I'm still living on it but I was living on it and there would be like weird random things Mm -hmm. $30 here $10 here whatever here just enough I always had just enough right And somehow things would always fall into place where I had just enough, but I had to trust that if I spent any money, I was like, no, it's okay if I spend it because I know the money will show up. And this is before I really learned about the dynamic laws of prosperity, which I've been really engaging with the last few months and they've really changed my life.
1: And what's that?
0: There's a lot of them. I mean, there's Mm -hmm. a video by Catherine Ponder Mm -hmm. on YouTube. And she kind of goes through, it's like a three-hour video. Mm -hmm. And there's so many things that have to do with abundance, wealth, prosperity. There's spiritual things, psychological things, emotional things, Mm -hmm. um, physical things. And and as you work through all those things, money becomes attracted to you,
2: Mm -hmm.
0: right? So you start to vibrate at the frequency of the things you desire, not just money, anything. I mean, that's the way I operate in my entire and life. And is that,
1: how do you do that personally, those manifestations? Do you do that through meditation, just through thought, conversation? Yeah, do like,
0: multiple actually uh-huh. things. Um, I do it through spoken word. So, mm-hmm. so I'll write what I want, I'll say aloud what I want. Um, my music, for a lot of it, is sort of like my, like, all right, I'm going to manifest my reality mm-hmm. and I'm going to make music. Of my desires. Mm-hmm. It's happened. It's happening. It's doing it. But also, like daily affirmation. Like, I am constantly affirming things that circumstantially I may not have. Right.
1: Like, what kind of affirmations I'm that a, you used?
0: Uh, I am a multimillionaire. Mm-hmm. I am a multimillionaire. To say that now,
1: mm-hmm.
0: if you looked at my bank account, you're not going to see the multimillions. But me, I am a multimillionaire. I know okay. this for a fact.
1: Mm-hmm. And it's always I am statements, not I want uh, or I will be. Right. It's- so
0: it's kind of a combination of things, right? Okay. I used to kind of as you work your way up until like, cause you kind of got to go at your own pace. Yeah. If you say, I'm a multimillionaire and all the thoughts in your mind go, that ain't going to happen. That ain't going to help you. Okay. Right. So you start to develop practices, but it's great because you affirm the things you might desire, right? All the thoughts that come up. To counteract that, you literally go, Nope. The one that I want to focus on
2: mm-hmm.
0: is this one. And you start to flick away all the negating thoughts, mm-hmm. circumstantial thoughts, people telling you things, whatever. You start to just mm-hmm. flick them away. Mm-hmm. You reaffirm, you reaffirm, you reaffirm. And what that is, is you're sort of pressing down this new belief deeper from your conscious mind into your subconscious. And Mm -hmm. in order for it to get in there, it has to push other thoughts out. Mm -hmm. Thoughts you didn't know you had. As you start to do that, you're pushing these newfound beliefs down. and The old thoughts fly out. And if the old thought comes up and it's like, no, actually, you're not a multimillionaire because this, 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 this. And you go, oh yeah. Then it comes right back in and the new thought kind of gets pushed back out. Mm-hmm. And then so you've not done any impressing upon your sub or unconscious mind
1: yeah, and you 're rewiring your mind you're literally and you're gonna, pre- pruning uh-huh. like neurons. you' said like, pruning yeah. you yeah. 're
0: reimpressing impressing yeah. that you are of lack or whatever
1: uh-huh.
0: and so so and that 's a daily thing that that i've you know I, I listen to uh this man named neville goddard uh-huh. he's a metaphysical teacher okay. Um, I listened to all his talks, and he's so wonderful. He explains Christianity and the Bible as actually a, uh, uh, an awakening process. Like the Bible's actually just describing the process that occurs in your mind for you to reach a level of consciousness where you manifest your own reality. And uh, I dove into all these things, and I found all these habits out, mm-hmm. my financial habits, like being fearful of spending money, right? And I used to be like, whose thought is that? It's like my mom saying, no, save that money. But like, mm. why, why, why? Fuck,
1: sorry. you all right? No, it's <laughs> yeah, all right. I'm just going to stop moving my arms.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Forever. <Yeah. laughs> I'm just never going to move my arms the rest of my life. Um, and then, uh, But even things like keeping car change in the cup holders. Do you do that? No. You well, don't do that? I
1: do that for, like, what is that called? Meters. Like do I keep have, quarters. But no, I know quarters? you... Not Are like, they in a
0: thing, a container?
1: They're in like a little coin purse.
0: Okay. You don't have to answer this, but did you grow up with wealthy parents? Or well-off parents?
1: Yeah, like they were Did over they it. have
0: coins in their cup holder? Like strewn about, just loose coins
1: uh, all over the car. My mom might have. Might have? When I was younger, I okay. think.
0: Like if you got in your mom's car now or your dad's car? Mm-hmm. Would uh, would there be coins and oh, money no. around? Okay. Yeah. So there's this concept that money flows, mm-hmm. and having coins everywhere that never get used. There's pennies and they're dirty and they're under stuff all the time. Yes, yeah. stagnant money, mm-hmm. which means stagnant energy
2: mm-hmm.
0: in a financial sense.
1: Yes, I think I've heard of this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And 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 then so you so I. <laughs> I'm hearing about this because I'm learning about this thing from people who are teaching about prosperity and uh-huh. finances. And it's like, uh, if you have stagnant money anywhere, that's like hindering the flow of money into your life. And I was like, holy shit, I have coins all over my car. And in my head, it's like, yeah, someday I'll use them. But mm-hmm. no, they've been in there for years. Yeah, yeah. Clean my entire car. But then there's also this idea of cleaning space.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So if you clear space in your life, like let's say you get rid of old clothes that you don't wear anymore. Those are forms of stagnant money in your life as well because mm-hmm. you spent money on things you're not using so it's just sitting there. So you clear that. You clear your home of things that are unnecessary. Old bills, documents old uh, uh, what's it called grocery bags. A lot of people keep a lot of grocery bags. Mm-hmm. You just start to clear your home of things that don't you don't need. Mhm. And the more space you clear, the more room you make for more things to flow into your life Mm -hmm. across all boards. I was specifically focused on finances because I was tired of living like, like stressed about bills that I couldn't pay and things like that and just manifesting enough to just live. I was Mm -hmm. like, I don't want to have enough just to live. I want to live lavishly and abundantly. I want to live wealthy. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, so I started doing all these things. And slowly but surely, larger amounts of money start to show up
2: Mm -hmm.
0: through the local government paying for people's rent or Mm -hmm. someone gifting me something or a random commercial gets renewed or a new job, you know? Mm -hmm. It was like, whoa, okay, there's very immediate things going on as I'm learning about prosperity and abundance and the things that Mm -hmm. help attract that stuff to you. And um, so it's kind of of across a lot of things, you know? And Yeah, I don't know what the question was. So I, <laughs> it's okay. I kind of
1: am... Have you with I mean financial was one avenue, but have right. you noticed any other manifestations that you've been doing within the past how long have you been manifesting? Oh, yeah. A year or six About months? Year. About or a year. Like within a year of manifesting, have you seen other things actually come? Yes. To life. Oh my God, I
0: have funny ones mm-hmm. and I have like really cool ones. Okay. So a funny one is in my hallway at my apartment, mm-hmm. at the end of the hallway, there's like trash and recycling
2: uh-huh.
0: um, that you would drop down a chute. But sometimes people just leave if they're moving out or getting rid of old furniture, they just leave it in the thing and then maintenance comes and picks it up. Mm-hmm. You could tell because it'll stay two, three days there. Yeah. Maybe it looks worn. Or- mm-hmm. I had an apartment that didn't have a ton of furniture and a ton of stuff because I didn't have the money to buy all that stuff at the time. hmm Throughout, maybe like, I don't know, like over the course of like six months, seven months, I'd be getting home and I would just see something in the hallway. And I'd go look at it and be like, wait a minute, this is exactly what I wanted for my apartment. Mm-hmm. And I just thought about that like a couple of weeks ago.
1: Would it be a passing thought and then you found it? Or were you specifically saying, I no, no. want
0: I would I, will, I would be consciously like looking around and be like, I really wish I had something like
1: this. Mm-hmm. But
0: this was sort of like a passive Casual manifestation, okay. which I've learned now, the casual word is oftentimes stronger than the conscious word. That's why I'm so curating with my thoughts and what I say around mm-hmm. people and yeah. what people say around me. The casual word has so much weight.
1: So I feel like those are also, like they show up more. Because if you're trying to specifically mindfully mm-hmm. manifest something. Mm-hmm. You might be focusing on it for like five minutes mm-hmm. a day. Mm-hmm. But then what are like all the little passive things that you say throughout the rest, the yeah. rest of your day? Like if yeah. a, a barista says, how's your day? And if you go straight to, oh, well, it's so hot out instead of like, it's a beautiful day yeah. or I'm excited. Like just paying special attention to... The those. casual word. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. so
0: so I was casually... Deciding on things I wanted in my apartment, Uh but they would be they would come after because you were asking like you you originally you asked like is it always I am affirmations Mm -hmm. but you also have to become very specific with what you want and Mm -hmm. you have to learn to be unapologetic. I have a firm belief that the desires we have are like preset. You know, I've had a long conversation about free will recently, but I just think like they're divine. I think you're given certain desire. You wanting to do a podcast
1: mm-hmm.
0: is because you are meant to do a podcast. Okay. So And the longer you fight that desire, the the more pain you feel.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Because truly like you are called to the podcast. Okay. But even little things like I want this, I want that, I want that,
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, they're meant for you. They're meant for you. And and I think Again, that's a nuanced thing in a way of like, you, sh- you know, if you're wanting to harm other people, that's a problem, mm-hmm. right? All these things that I consider divine desires are not ever taking away from anyone else, disenfranchising or harming anyone or, mm-hmm. or harming yourself, right? They are desires for things that would be greater good for you and all around, like, you know, mm-hmm. positive additions to life. And um either way, uh I had so this. So then do you chasm. think it
1: would be possible to manifest something that might be just an ego thing? Like what if you yes. were trying to manifest like, oh, I wanna look this certain way or I wanna have like these certain clothes? Like you do you think you can still manifest it? Yeah or no? Because it's
0: I think you can manifest things
1: But wouldn't that, that be aren't for your best
0: interests? And that's why it's also even so much more important to be so specific.
1: Uh-huh. But wouldn't that be harmful to you then? Mm-hmm. Like, because let's say you get these things you say you want or you think you want, mm-hmm. even. Mm-hmm. But then in reality, once you attain whatever it is that you were manifesting, what if it then makes you an asshole for whatever reason? Or what if you? I don't know what the situation would be, but what if it does bring harm, whether it's like mental or physical? Or- yeah,
0: yeah. This is a this is a huge. Huge thing I have like mulled over because mm-hmm. for a very long time I had all these desires that I was like, oh my God, these are all bad. You know, like these uh-huh. are bad things to want. These are not good things. Uh-huh. Like, blah, blah, blah. like on September 27th on my birthday,
2: uh-huh.
0: a week from today,
2: mm-hmm.
0: I'm releasing a song called What Do I Want? Mm-hmm. And it's literally detailing things that I just literally, remember I told you songs come out like all at once. Yeah, This was one of those. It all just flew out of my mouth and I okay. was like. Oh, like, whoa. Do I want those things? Is mm-hmm. that my ego speaking? Like Yeah. It's like, you know, like what is that helpful, harmful? But it, it became this thing of like, no, I think it's more so here's the thing, I think you can want something, mm-hmm. right? And a PCU is gonna eat away at you until you get some version of it and then realize it won't fulfill the thing you needed. So
1: But what if you get that thing?
0: Yeah, like if you, you might get the thing,
1: yeah.
0: right? Uh huh. And then it doesn't it doesn't do you the good you you might have wanted it to do you. Okay. And then you'll be at that place with the thing, and you'll realize, ah, uh, this doesn't bring me happiness, okay. actually, or this doesn't bring me peace of mind. Mm-hmm. But in some ways, you had to have it to find out. Mm-hmm. A lot of people like. It's really hard for some people to go, money doesn't equate to happiness. And they're like, Okay, that makes sense because you have money. Right. So they, they, they get yep. this this feeling. Well, you you could say that because you've got money. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. I'm unhappy and I ain't got money. And money would help alleviate a lot of the things that don't make me happy. Mm-hmm. And that's a true thing. We live in a very fiscal world. Yeah. And but but money doesn't bring happiness. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. Like the actual thing of money is not it'll bring you happiness. Like a physical thing you know, and but it's not until perhaps you get that thing that you realize, oh it was, it doesn't bring me happiness, but you had mm-hmm. to you had to go for it, you had to do the thing you wanted to do to realize to learn now that you're there where you thought you'd be happy
2: mm-hmm.
0: you're not, and only because you went for the thing you wanted did you learn that, and now can you actually grow and move on and, and Find out what else it might be that would make you happier. So it's like a learning process.
1: What is money to you then when you manifest being a multimillionaire? Yeah. But what like what is the motivation behind that then if it's if you don't equate money and happiness?
0: I, I think I think I have found happiness. Okay. I've been fortunate to have realized what makes me happy,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know? And then just to like do it as if I lived on an island alone. That was kind mm-hmm. of that whole process. Okay. I'm like, I know what makes me happy.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But I also know that there are things, I know one of the things I love that makes me happy
2: mm-hmm.
0: is experiencing new things.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So traveling to a new country, meeting new people, talking mm-hmm. about subjects I don't always talk about or don't know anything about, mm-hmm. trying new food, um, and learning. I love learning. hmm and we live in a very fiscal world.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So one of the largest barriers to novel experience is money. Mm-hmm. But the more money you have, the more doors are open to novel experiences.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So I wouldn't care for money to sit in a bank account. I don't give a shit about money.
1: So using it as a tool.
0: I want the money to use to have these novel experiences. Okay. And also, I've always felt that like I was kind of destined to be. And like, meant to be, and felt like, yeah, like I'm just, and it's not because i'm like I'm like, because I want to do a lot of things with the money that I think should be done with money, mm-hmm. you know, I want to like build schools and, and like yeah. help people, and, mm-hmm. and, and like I, I, I want to do things that could help um in ways that I think are pretty like fundamentally like, yeah, that will help
1: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> at like a fundamental level that will do more good than harm, yeah, and if you had money to do that, it would help mm-hmm. um. So it's kind of like, uh, yeah, as a tool,
1: yeah, you know, uh, if you're comfortable sharing, what are sure. other things that you're currently manifesting that have yet to come like this is so to interesting
0: to say uh, to say it, yeah, well, for me, they're to real, put it
1: on. A recording. <laughs> for,
0: well, that's kind of what my music is, too. Yeah. Right. So for me, these things... It's a little I,
1: time capsule you can go back it's to. It's so good.
0: It's so good. That's yeah. really what all the songs have been. Yeah. All the songs are time capsules. Yeah, it's like I,
1: capturing who you were at that time because you'll never be that exactly. version again.
0: Well, so the song I released right before this one was called I'm Tired. I don't okay. know if you had a chance to hear it or not, but mm-hmm. it's all about... Like the the chorus goes... I'm tired of stressing. Mm-hmm. I'm tired of sweating.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm tired of pressing mute on all these calls from all these bill collectors. I'm tired of fruitless efforts. I'm tired of feeling tired forever. I'm getting. I'm growing tired of waiting for heaven. And I didn't know I felt that way. It all came all at once, mm-hmm. and then I listened to the song. Was like, whoa, that's how I feel, mm-hmm. you know. And then I made a music video. and was like, oh, like kind of physicalized it. And it was from that point on that I started to. Really rewire every thought in my mind and started this practice of if a negative thought came up, I would catch it midair and be like, oh, I don't want that. Mm-hmm. So, what should I replace that with? What's the best possible outcome of what I'm talking about negatively? Okay, the best possible outcome is this. And I would replace it with that. And I started doing that daily, all day. But, um, anyways, now I'm here. Uh, I'm currently manifesting. Okay, well, here's what I will say.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. You asked if I was comfortable with it. And I was. I am comfortable with it, but I think in a specific way. So through music, I don't mind to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think I've also learned, as one of the things you learn with prosperity and abundance and manifestation, Mm -hmm. is that silence is golden. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And that not saying too much is better for you um, because the energy then applied to the thing
2: Mm-hmm.
0: is specific. So let's say I were to say something out loud mm-hmm. that others didn't believe.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: There would be a lot of energy around that thing that I've decided upon mm-hmm. that would be perhaps maybe opposite. And I do believe, I do have like a, a pretty, I have an unbreakable faith in like that my plan, like my, my destiny is incorruptible.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Like that's kind of my faith. So a lot of me like whenever I think about like oh should I say it? I'm like, ah, it won't matter. Like I'm meant for this. Mm-hmm. This is like my it pre-written I'm going to get these things. Yeah. Um but there's also the concept of silence is golden. So I I don't know why I felt to mention that. Um maybe just in the sense of like it doesn't work for everybody uh-huh. to just speak what they're trying to bring into the world, yeah. Um, it's because it's very might,
1: personal to everybody. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. like
0: yeah, your manifestation process yeah. will be your own.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but anyway, I am manifesting a different place to live. I've already chosen the like place: a different
1: apartment or different city. Different apartment, okay.
0: And 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 eventually, a different city. I want to live in a specific country and city.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, do you know
0: where? Part-time. Yeah, France. I, I'm ah. going to have a place in, in France. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if south of France or Paris or mm-hmm. Lyon. Like, I, I'm going to have a home in France. Yeah. I love it there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm specifically manifesting an apartment that I've really desired for a while. Mm-hmm. And uh, It's funny when there's practices to manifesting things, you kind of act as if. Mm-hmm. And so like, what would you do if you were really going to rent this apartment? Well, you would go take a tour. Mm-hmm. Okay, go take the tour. They're not going to ask you your background. They're not going to ask you your finances. You're just going to take the tour.
2: Yeah. I
0: took the tour, I had a wonderful time. I was like, yes, I'm definitely going to live here. Yeah. You know, now I am certain I want to live here.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, manifesting a new vehicle, a new mode of transport, multiple actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I manifested, okay. I got back from a project I did in Mississippi recently. Mm -hmm. Very intense. The most intense role I ever had. Mm -hmm. Really beautiful experience. We have a couple more weeks to finish, but it was just so intense that when I got back to Los Angeles, I felt very kind of out of sorts. Mm -hmm. For a couple days, I went back to the list of the things that make me happy. Mm -hmm. I went and did all those things for a couple days to make sure I could just kind of find myself and be comfortable again. But one of the things I realized is I felt very lonely. I was like, oh, I don't have a social group, Mm -hmm. nor do I have... Do I feel super comfortable about reaching out to a ton of people and being like, you guys want to go out and get drinks? Like it wasn't, yeah. I was like, I've never done that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I don't do that. And people don't ask me to these things either. Like I don't have very many friends, I realized. When I got back and um, I was like, I don't want that. I, I want to feel that at any moment, if I wanted to be social, I could be with a group of people whom I, whom I love and who love me
2: mm-hmm.
0: and who, have, who I could have fun around. hmm Two days later, Zeming
2: yes. texts
0: me. Yeah. I was like, hey man, you still living in Santa Monica? I'm gonna mm-hmm. visit. Can I stay with you? My initial instinct was mm-hmm. like, "Ah, oh, no, like my space is my space. Yeah. Like, like he didn't give me enough heads-up notice, blah, mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. And then after like five, six hours, like kind of like already decided that, but something just didn't feel right all yeah. day. And I kind of went, you know what? I would I wanted to have. Someone to hang out, people to hang out with.
2: Yeah, I'm gonna,
0: I'm gonna text him again. Hey, man, do you, if you still need a place, he was like, "Ah, oh, you're the best." He still needed a place. Same mm-hmm. day, you know. I ended up from that point on. Since the Ming landed, to now I have not been without an opportunity to socialize in some way.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Ah. Since then, yeah, It's been like three weeks, I think. Yeah, maybe four. Have not had a moment now. Yeah, and and now it's like. I'm like, oh, now that I'm very abundant in that sense, mm-hmm. and also at any moment I can go, oh, you know, I'm am t- staying home, I'm chilling, yeah. I need to regroup, recenter, whatever.
1: But you have that option now. But now I have, you it. know, because before you're like, even if I don't want to, I wish I could just. Yes. know No, I could text somebody and they would be there. You know, I would have people to be with.
0: Right. Yeah. And you right. have that. Right. So that, that now. was a specific. Yeah. A very quick <laughs> manifestation. Really I know. I know.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, I'm uh Hmm what else? Yeah. I mean that song
1: mm-hmm.
0: and everything in that song that I'm releasing on the twenty seventh. What do yes. I want? I'm releasing it on my birthday. Yes. Which oh, which is when you are like kind of naturally um reflecting. Like, what do you want? You know, yeah. what do you want for your birthday? Yeah. It's like, well, here's this song. That's mm-hmm. what I want. Yeah. Everything I want is in this, you know. Yeah. Um and uh, yeah, so there's a bunch of stuff like.
1: So why do you think you need to manifest then? If you have a more deterministic perspective, like what is the point of manifesting? Oh, oh, oh!
0: oh. I mean, okay, deterministic in the sense that I'm destined for it. Yeah. When I said that,
1: like you think? Do you think everything is pre-planned? Like you said, I'm going to be a writer, and that was already decided before I was born, type of thing. Like. Isn't that yeah? Thing? But here's
0: my here's my opinion on that. Okay. It's like you can come here. Okay, so the idea of free will, choice, all that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Recently, I had a great conversation with someone who was like, "No, that's not free will. That's liberty." And you brought it up with Zeming. Like, if you can make a choice, is that not free will? Mm-hmm. That was my opinion. I was like, "No, I have free will. I make the choices. I'm free mm-hmm. of the constraints of my mind. I've grown past them, and every choice is my own." Mm-hmm. Um, and my friend was like, "That's not the free will part. That's." Liberty part. You mm-hmm. have the liberty to operate as you please. But the, the reason you want to operate as you please, like the, reason, the choices you're given, like like Zeming was saying, the, the multiple choice options, that's the part that was determined before.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I agree with that in many ways. But I also think it's an endless amount. So that's why the illusion of free will is so good. Because you've heard the idea of multiverses, right? Mm-hmm. And how like if I decide to snap my finger right there, there's now a multitude of universes, one where I didn't snap my finger, one where I snapped my finger, and you and you were like you snapped yours for some reason. Like there's so many things that could have happened yep. in that decision to snap my finger, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: All of those were pre-written.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: All of those existed in the simulation game, coding matrix, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, they're all pre-written, but pre-written in like an algorithmic sense, like the sense that like. Whatever you decide, then re-
1: you snapped your finger because you had to, like it, there was no other option, type of thing. Like, like um, you had the option to, and you did, but the option you chose to snap it was going to happen no matter what. No, no, no. Okay,
0: both options are existing and valid. So there was an option where I would have said that I would snap my finger and not, yeah, in, this, in the way that I'm doing now, yeah. And there was the option where I said it and still snapped it. Okay, okay. Both of those exist, right? Mm-hmm. And they both have their own timelines.
1: Okay, so you think with every choice you make, it then divides exactly and into like
0: a... a multiverse of timelines. Okay,
1: so do you believe in like multiverses? Then like definitely different dimensions. And I, I believe in
0: yes, absolutely. Okay. And I believe in like uh, quantum leaping. So like I, I operate on metaphysics and quantum laws. Like I, I my day to day operations has to do with things that are intangible. Okay. And then the tangibility of these things start to manifest themselves physically. And most people in my life, people who are close enough to my life to kind of like know the way I think and Mm -hmm. the way I speak on these things and then see them happen are like, dude, wow, Mm -hmm. you're right. You said it, you thought it, nothing pointed to it except what you said and thought, Mm -hmm. and now it exists. And he's like, yeah, that's the way it works. That's the way it works. Okay, And there's a bunch of stuff on the way to that, right? You have to Mm -hmm. get clear emotional blockages. You have to clear psychological blockages, unconscious. There's a lot of work to do, Uh a lot of actual work to do on the self, which kind of doesn't stop because every moment in your life is a moment then to.
1: So then do you think there is one true self then? Like if you're working, if you do think there's a predetermined, like Mm -hmm. you're supposed to write this song, you're supposed to act in this movie. If you think all that was already predetermined, what about a life where you chose not to do that? A life where you pursued economics instead? Do you think that's a branch of one central self or do you think both split selves are equally as real? Does that make sense? Yes, it does. It
0: does. I think they're uh, equally as real. I think the way the fragmentation works. Oh, shit. Oh, wow.
1: So sorry. <laughs> it was. And I you muted know? my phone, but I didn't mute my computer. Sorry.
0: That's okay. That's so interesting. <laughs>
1: oh, uh, sorry no about that.
0: No worries. Um, yeah, I think uh since they're all fragmentations, like uh-huh. there's just as much of the self in that version of you than as there is in that version of you, um, because they both equally exist fully. And you can jump timelines. So like if you want to like manifest a different world of your life and you can close your eyes and envision it you're kind of filtering through all the possibilities of your life and mm-hmm. all the possibilities of your life in your yeah. mind are like you're like well if mm-hmm. i could you know i would live like this and you can you can then stay focused on that world and do quantum leaps like like make the decisions that land you on that timeline um but if you're operating unconsciously you're falling victim to things that are landing you on a timeline that perhaps isn't ideal. So it's kind of like if it's a video game. right? There's You can play a video game with campaign mode. Let's say it's a first-person shooter. And every level, this is the best way, the most efficient way to beat this level of the game. To get the most points, to mm-hmm. get the most life at the end, to save the most this and that. The best way, like in the stats of the game, so to speak, which is super simplified in a video game compared to the human experience. Um, but then there's also you could play that level and and at the end of it have like barely any HP left, health points, barely any points, like of reward points from getting coins or something. Let's say it's Mario,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you could still get through the level, but just barely, and you didn't really like take away the most you could. But then you learned from that level. And you're like, actually, I'm going to go do that level again because now I know what comes on the level. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to do it better. So I think there's an optimal timeline. I think everyone has their optimal timeline.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And that when you start to live consciously, what you're really doing is just trying to find your way to this optimal timeline. And there may be multiple. I think there's like a one one. Um, I think there's like a specific... Timeline where it's like you fulfilled the most, like the most objectives of your character Mm -hmm. you could have in that time around, like in that go around. Like, oh, that time you played Erica Sullivan, you really nailed it. Mm -hmm. You nailed it. But there's a piece of like, how did you nail it this time? And we learn from our past. But I believe. You know, time, space, and all that is like very airy and warpy. So you can learn from a past you didn't remember experiencing. And that past is your intuition, which is like tapped into the timelines. Right? So when I talk about going off my gut and my heart and whatever, it's with the belief that my heart knows all the possibilities that have happened And it's telling me which one is going to be the optimal.
1: Okay. So do you think this optimal life that you're referring to, do you think that's the one that is holding those more determined values that you are going to be this? Is that the optimal life? And then every time you choose not to and there's a branch that's not that life, that's just... Yeah, what about the branches that break off in these other dimensions Mm -hmm. that then don't follow that optimal life.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, are those also already determined? Like, is it determined how many times you'll break off? I'm sorry if this is. No, like, no, it's, okay. it's,
0: it's, I think they're all valid questions. I mean, uh-huh. it's, it's so, it's like if uh, someone says, if, if you, uh, if you keep smacking your head against the wall, you're going to get a bruise. Mm-hmm. Right? That's easy to understand. Mm hmm. So if you're in a specific timeline and this is the way you keep deciding to make this choice about this specific thing, you're going to keep getting that result. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: So you'll stay on that timeline in regards to that thing. So let's talk about like a relationship. We're like, I always date the same kind of people. Yeah, This kind of girl, this kind of guy, this kind of person. And it's like, well, okay, analyze the person. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Because I also believe everything is a physical manifestation of your mind.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: That's why I was so impressed with your place. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Because I, I, not that it always is a hard and true fact, mm-hmm. right? Because someone might have like a place that for now is just where they are as they're on their way to get what they need to get. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think in some ways we find ourselves uh, when you meet someone, like I'm in your space, mm-hmm. so I'm in your mind in a way. Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah. But I know I'm what in, you mean though. Yeah. I'm yeah. in your
0: mind and you're picking my brain,
1: mm-hmm. which is
0: a cool concept. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um and who well, I, I blanked.
1: The deterministic, the That's different right. branches. That's right, the branches. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. So let's say um you just keep making the same mistake. Oh the
1: relationship, the relationship thing. Relationship thing. So like
0: you keep dating the same person. And it's like, well, what is that like a manifestation of? Mm-hmm. Right? Like like really analyze the way you feel with them, the mm-hmm. way you react to them, what a, what you're attracted to the, about about Uh, what you're attracted to them about
2: Mm
0: -hmm. um, you know the way it goes and figure that out within yourself and you'll start to see it change in the people that you attract and the people you're attracted to you've now switched timelines in regards to relationships you could have your whole life been on the same timeline in regards to just your relationships so you just keep dating the same kind of people your whole life
1: Mm
0: -hmm. right? um and that's that. That exists. Whereas in a different part of your life, you're like, well, you've really figured out abundance and finances.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So now you're very financially prosperous, but you keep de- dating the same type of people. You're on a new timeline with finances. You're on a different timeline. With, you're on a timeline over here with the relationships. Right? Those timelines don't necessarily move in the same direction. This one kind of moves this way. This one moves this way. Mm-hmm. This one's a more optimal life for your character, and this one's less optimal. Mm-hmm right? So There's the moving horizontally. There's moving backwards, mm-hmm. reverting to old habits, you know, using things to be depressants or numbing, mm-hmm. you know, avoiding feeling, blah, blah, blah. You might go backwards. And people talk about that all the time. Like, oh, you're going backwards in doing this, you mm-hmm. know? And um, I think, I mean, I'm not sure if I'm answering the question, that, remind me of the question exactly. It was
1: you think that the there's time. a determined life so is that determined life the optimal but then what what would well oh yeah. so, the branches? so the, branches the branches are also, also?
0: determined right okay. because if you keep banging your head against the wall you're keep you're going to keep getting a bruise uh-huh. that's a determined fact just on different laws of the existence okay different laws of the universe like if you keep smacking your hand against the wall it's
1: determined but not optimal
0: yeah exactly okay. but it's still a result of consequence right it's like mm-hmm. still a result of the choice mm-hmm. and it's still predetermined like it's all set up that way
1: mm-hmm. and you said you think you can start over on these different timelines
0: you can jump timelines so is timelines. there
1: ever an end do you think or do you think you're in this loop or do you think
0: is there an end to the timeline
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, oh that's kind of hard to speculate on i think because i I have. A, I think you have past lives, and I think. Yeah, that was
1: my next question. Yeah, is, yeah, I
0: think we have past lives, okay. and we relive lives. And so, do
1: you think with the life you're currently in, and that you're aware of the timeline you're on right now, you're going to keep redoing that one until you reach the end of this optimal life? Uh, is that more like what you think? And then, when you're at the end of that, then you you become another one, and you have to learn. Yeah, that. I
0: actually don't know that. Uh-huh. I don't know if like.
1: Or you do you though. have all these, because if you believe in past lives, like when does a past life end? When's your new one begin? Right, right, right. Do those cross over? Like,
0: I think they all do. Okay, I think like you're me and I'm you. Okay. Truly. Like mm-hmm. I think at some point I'm sitting where you're sitting, exactly where you are. Like I'm you doing, yeah, yeah, touching my forehead like, I'm, oh, I'm, mm. I'm
1: thinking about it. Right, right. <laughs> yeah.
0: and And at some point you're me. Uh-huh. And you're living my experience, and at some point I'm living your experience. And this is a crossover episode. Like Sounds like
1: the whole what was the phrase in the beginning? All Everything things are the same. all things are the same. Is, yeah. Does it apply to that as well? Yeah, like,
0: yeah, like mm-hmm. you're me, I'm you. Um and uh, I think that's remarkable. I think that's a fun concept.
1: Also, it, it's just But then like, you're also like horrible people.
0: <laughs> like, you are, yeah, 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 yeah. You are. But then it's like, how do how do you treat Someone who you think is horrible,
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, right? Because if you realize, if you think about it as you, mm-hmm. you're like, "Oh man, like you're horrible," right? Mm-hmm. But like, why? Why are you horrible? Yeah. Like, what happened to mm-hmm. you? Usually, is a thing, um, or what is lacking for you, or, or, uh, you know, like treating someone who you might consider horrible with compassion is what mm-hmm. you would hope. Mm -hmm. If you were a horrible person, someone might do,
2: Mm -hmm.
0: right? Um, I don't know. It just helps with empathy and stuff. You're like, oh, if this was me, you know, like, how would I really appreciate if someone, even though I'm in the wrong, Mm -hmm. right? Like, that's your belief, right? This person is in the wrong. People fuck up. People make mistakes. I've fucked up so many times, you know, Mm -hmm. but if I was in the wrong, I would hope people would like forgive and accept and then help, you know? So if you're everyone, that kind of kind of helps that out. I also do think, though, like, as you start to like cater your thoughts, mm-hmm. and your fears in particular, yeah, um, you also start to find yourself in less circumstances where there is like discord and and things of that nature mm-hmm. because that's not what is manifesting itself out of your mind. If everything's a physical projection, Of what is inside your mind, Mm -hmm. I have found that any conflict I've been in, when I really get down to the nitty gritty and meditate on it,
2: Mm -hmm.
0: came from somewhere inside my mind that I was repressing or avoiding or never dealt with. Mm -hmm. So if something happens in my life, obviously I'm present with it and I I try to, I'm not a conflict person, I'm not a conflict, I'm conflict averse, right? Mm -hmm. But then I'll go home and I'll meditate, like, what did that really represent? What did that represent inside me? Mm Because if I believe everything is a physical manifestation of my mind, what
1: was that? Yeah.
0: Okay, well, what does that make me feel? And what does that remind me of?
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Oh, when I was a kid, this happened. And since then, I've had this thought that maybe this is this. Mm -hmm. And it just manifested itself. Again, that was one of my deepest fears. I've had that happen a lot. Mm -hmm. Or one of my deepest fears presents itself. I'm like, oh my God. And then I'm like, wait, wait, wait. Nothing really exists. It's all physical manifestation in your mind. Oh my God. Okay, that's that fear. And that fear isn't real. Like, I don't have to give life to the fear of this thing. Mm -hmm. Because in this present moment it doesn't exist.
1: Yeah.
0: Right? So I'm going to take care of that within myself. It usually takes care of itself
2: outside. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: So what are some ways you think you're currently that you may be deceiving yourself that you are trying to manifest something or you keep noticing this negative habit or tendencies and you're, I don't know how that makes, like just what, in what ways do you think you're engaging in self-deception right now? Because I think at any point in time, everyone is in some way.
0: Mm, That's a great question. That's funny because that was something I, as you said it, I was like, oh, I think that's one of my fears.
1: Is that you're just deceiving yourself?
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have to be well, in. Some but, but like, of course of course yeah. now I'm sitting with someone who brings it up.
1: Yeah. But it was all in like, your head.
0: <laughs> but it was like, oh, well that there's Erica physically manifesting a fear I maybe have had before. Yeah. Um, I I have like this mantra that I got from Lawrence Scoville Shin. I cast all burdens on the Christ within, and I go free. Mm -hmm. And I use that whenever a fear comes up. And um,
1: why are you? But why is there a fear associated with deception? Like, what about being self-deceptive? It was more so
0: a fear of like, um, am I afraid that I'm just delusional? Oh. Sorry. Because most of what I'm talking about uh-huh. has been phrased as delusional to a lot of people who don't have an intimate experience with it. Mm-hmm. We're living in a more progressive time where people talk about manifestation,
2: mm-hmm.
0: talk about spirituality, mm-hmm. talk about race, talk about sexuality, mm-hmm. gender, nonconformity. Like, We live in a very progressive time yeah, where people can document most things.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And because people can document most things... We hear more about these things mm-hmm. that are intangible and metaphysical. Yeah. Like, look, I wrote this down and it came true.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: There's a video on YouTube telling you about it. Yeah. Oh, that's a reality. Now, 300,000 people talk about it. Yeah. People on a podcast talking about it. Yeah. But there are a lot of people who don't have experiences like this mm-hmm. and who, who maybe perhaps aren't willing to accept certain realities that aren't physically <laughs> tangible. Mm hmm. I would call concepts that that are metaphysical delusional, mm-hmm. and I don't abide by that mm-hmm. because I my entire life for the last most of my life no it was like a very specific portion of my life where I was living this way without even knowing it I was like doing this the things I'm doing now consciously I was unconsciously doing them and my life was really manifesting a lot of when
1: was that how long ago my
0: time in Austin
1: okay I was spending
0: time it was like mm-hmm. two years in Austin where. I wanted was happening mm-hmm. because I was like so hyper focused on just the things I wanted, mm-hmm. um, and then when I moved to LA, that changed. Mm-hmm. I uh, and I wasn't doing the same things I was doing in Austin. Yeah, I realized I started to live very unconsciously in a negative way. Yeah, but I didn't know. And then when I became conscious of all that, rewired it all and looked back to what I used to call my golden years. So I was like, I don't know what it was back then. Everything I touched turned to gold. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh. All the things I'm consciously choosing to do now, which I know help you with manifesting and attraction and Mm -hmm. peace of mind and happiness, I was doing back then on accident, (laughs) like instinctually. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Um, But anyway, uh, self-deception. I don't necessarily think... I think it's an interesting like, uh, catch-22. It'd be very difficult or impossible to tell you what I'm deceiving myself with because I would... (laughs) Not no.
1: Yeah. Because
0: it's all just dis- I'm just dis- I'm in- under deceit.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: However, I will say I don't think or believe that I'm deceiving myself.
1: hmm
0: Because I would prefer not to.
1: hmm That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean like the Hold on, I'm thinking, sorry. <laughs>
0: no take your time. I eat
1: the other half of this So, you do think it's possible to live a life with no self deception?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I think anything's possible. Anything, I think anyone who thinks anything is not possible mm-hmm. is just limiting themselves. Anything's possible. Look, the whole thing, look at this whole thing. There's like a little fire flame contained within a candle behind you. Mm-hmm. That you were unaware of, really, for the most part of the conversation. But that's like super fascinating over there, mm-hmm. and it's incredible. Just a candle—the concept of a candle and fire, yeah. and like it being visible and mm-hmm. having a temperature that is contained within a
2: flame—fascinating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: If that's possible, anything's possible. Like mm-hmm. that's that's weirder than manifesting money to me. Mm-hmm. I'm like more fascinated by a candle. I'm like, what mm-hmm. flame? You know, Mm -hmm. but we've just so used to it that it's like no, it's normal. It's like, but now we're getting to a world where the rest of these things are becoming more normal. Mm -hmm. To 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 decide, I think we live in the reality we decide upon. If Mm -hmm. you're living consciously, you can unconsciously decide upon your reality. So, if you give yourself a limit, if you give the reality of existence a limit, so is the limit. And you're right. You are absolutely right. If you think it is impossible to do something. And they say that all the time, like all the what I've also learned about all the philosophers. This is why I'm like all things are the same. Mm -hmm. I have studied so many different public figures, religious figures, philosophers, you know, scientists, Mm -hmm. and they're more importantly their quotes, things they're quoted to say.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: I'm like, oh my god, this person is talking about this, and so is this person. It just is like totally different wording, and people might not realize it's the same thing. Like I really think, I think it was Rene Descartes who said, "I think, therefore I am." You heard that quote? I think therefore I am. Mm -hmm. That is described, I saw it, I read it in a, it was like a page talking about like this moment that changed philosophical history where he says, where he decided he would just let himself think about what it would be like if nothing existed, like if nothing exists, And then he was like losing his mind to it. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And then at some point he got to, I think therefore I am. And that was like the saving grace of, because I think, I exist, uh-huh. and I don't think that's what he was talking about. So maybe this is a hot take. Because most people's analysis of what he came to is that I think "I think, therefore I am" is speaking on the concept of what you think is your reality. Your thoughts shape your reality.
1: Most people do that. In what retrospectively. way do you think that's different than? what the common analysis is. If the common analysis is he was spiraling, but then I think therefore I am brought him back and into that reality.
0: I think the initial analysis I read was the idea that quantifies or qualifies to to exist for nothing to exist, whereas I think it's actually him speaking on not only do I think therefore I am now, Mm Like I think, and thus I become, so therefore I am, like therefore can be used as a pushing to pa- pushing into the future thing mm-hmm. so if I think this now, therefore I am that at some point. I think he's, I, ju- I think it was just like a really abbreviated version of that,
2: mm-hmm. which
0: I don't know i didn't I don't know, I guess I'd have to pull that page up, but the wording of what they were talking about made it more on the concept of like to think is to to be an existing like a live conscious thing. Yeah. as opposed to your thought being the thing that is what you are. He's not saying I am my thoughts. Uh-huh. He's saying I think therefore I am, like I'm qualifying existence. Okay. Not I'm creating existence. But I get what you mean by like mm-hmm. isn't that the same thing? And yeah, it is. It is transitively going under the belief of like your thoughts create your reality. But mm-hmm. I don't think they were describing it like that. Okay. But anyway, a lot of people, a lot of different philosophers, a lot of like uh, scientists, public figures, whatever, they're quoting things or they're quoted saying things that have to do with like, well, it's all in your thoughts. What, you, what a man believes himself to be, a man is, or a man becomes.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It's like very, oh, uh, I don't know who said this, but they were like, the person who thinks he can't and the person who thinks he can are both usually right. Yeah, And that's the idea, I think, that we were talking about with like the limit. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's possible to live a life without self-deception? Yes,
2: mm-hmm.
0: because if I didn't, then I would never get to.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And it's like that simple. Um, so there's no limit to the way you want to live and mm-hmm. what can happen. Ah. Yeah. Well,
1: thank you for sharing all of this.
0: Oh wow! Yeah, of course. Thank, <laughs> thank you for you having for me,
1: coming over and talking with me. And do you have an idea of how long we've been recording? No idea. Two hours and 16 minutes.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, my god! It's that
1: flow state, you know? I always black out while recording these because it's just...
0: Two hours and 16?
1: Yeah. Well, it's about to be That's 17. That's insane. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yes, um, is there <laughs> <laughs> is there anything... I mean, you have your music and mm-hmm. a variety of things. So <laughs> yeah. is there anything you'd like to plug? Like anything you want to... Put out Turn to people tours, yeah. Oh sure.
0: Um, okay. Uh my music, I'm putting mm-hmm. out a song.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It'll probably be out by then.
1: Yeah, I'll tell you, your this will come out October 18th.
0: Cool. No. Uh
1: wait, yes. No. <laughs> October twenty-fifth. <25th>, sorry. <laughs> okay, cool. Um then <laughs> so I will have by
0: already by a month mm-hmm. released a song called What Do I Want? Mm-hmm. My artist's name. For music is Dragon Wolf. Mm-hmm. Uh, the wolf part of Dragon Wolf is a U instead of an O. Mm-hmm. Uh, Instagram's dragonwolf underscore love.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: My Instagram for acting stuff is uh, Iman S. Fondi.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I have a. There's a movie called King Richard coming out with Will Smith. Mm-hmm. And I have a small part in that. It's mm-hmm. a tennis movie, so it's really dear to When's my heart. When's that come out again? November nineteenth. Oh, in theaters and HBO Max. That soon? Yeah, oh, I know, that's I know, crazy. I know. It's not. That's the first role I ever booked in Los Angeles.
1: Really? Yeah, two oh, and, so and a half that's years. that's big. Yeah, oh, it's that's cool. It's gonna be fun.
0: And then, um, it'll be the first time I'm in theaters as an actor, yeah. like re- like movie theaters that someone else could pay for to go. Yes,
1: congratulations. <laughs> Thank
0: you so much. Yeah, and uh, and um, oh, I do still have a. The first short I ever got to direct mm-hmm. the honor of directing is called Pepito, mm-hmm. and it's on h b o and h b o max h b o latino mm-hmm. it 's a short film fifteen minutes. If you want to watch that that'd be cool mm-hmm. and um yeah, I guess that's that's all
1: perfect and then this podcast, Instagram is just at everything with Erica podcast. And then mine is just Erica underscore Sullivan. But yes, thank you again. Yeah, uh, thank I know you, for you having me. could potentially be leaving at 6 a.m. Yeah. or maybe not, but I appreciate you still taking the time to drive here and talk to me and be very present in this conversation. I will tell
0: you with all my heart, <laughs> desire I wanted to, no, to thank come. You. So thank you for having me.
1: Of course. All right, bye.